Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being back with us here. It is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling for episode 215. As always, I'm Joe Murata. I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy-doody. Quinn, the month is halfway through, and so is this season. Oh, it is now. 2.15 on the 15th of March here. Wow. Spring is one week away. It's like we planned it, 2.15. Yeah, we did plan it. Definitely planned it. Years ago. It was just for this one. Absolutely. And folks, thank you for being with us for this one. We're going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. Some great topics in store for you, as always. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, follow us there for drama-free wrestling clips at OVP Podcast on Twitter. Daily clips, about a dozen or so per day. Check it out there, at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us, if you want to, at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Gwen, if people want to talk to you and me and hundreds and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics, where may they go? Over at Facebook.com slash hundreds. Oh, okay. What happens? Well, they can interact with hundreds of people, obviously. But to get to this hundreds of people place... Is it hard? They have to, like, you know, there's a search bar on the site, and you got to type in our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, maybe I'm Boom Tubes, Gorka Fluey. Hit the join, and you're in. And you're in. Slash hundreds. From what I understand, if you're going to join the group, there's only one rule, and one rule only to agree to, and what is it? Don't be what? Um, A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. Now, what that means, folks, is simply don't be a jerk. You can disagree. You can argue, but don't do the personal attacks thing and stuff we, like that. We don't, We're no, not into that. We don't do that over there. It's not okay. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, there's enough of that out there, so we try to have a Facebook group where... As I sternly give you an internet talk as soon as you're <laughs> turning this show on. Yeah, thank you for thank you for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. But really, just have fun over there and talk about old wrestling, talk about the 80s, talk about the 90s, talk about the WWF, WCW, AWA, I guess. Yeah, it's people like, like that. Three people, sort of. So uh, have fun, though. It's over on Facebook. And then another thing, whether you've been listening maybe for a few weeks or a few months, maybe a few years, and you want more of what we do here at OVP, we do have a Patreon, and it's to give you guys more content for supporting us. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We only have two tiers, $2 and $5. And on the $5 tier, out right now as part of the monthly pay-per-view series is WWF SummerSlam 92, the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see, Gwen. At least that's what they said. That's what they said. I thought I'd see it because it uh, came the year after. Right. The that's usually <laughs> what I would expect. Maybe I don't expect to see SummerSlam 93, but <laughs> that stinks. But No, it does not. But we'll get to that eventually later in the year. But really, if you just want to support us and you want extra content, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And now, Quinn, with all the business out of the way here, mm-hmm. as we are halfway through the season, we've been doing a new segment where we're kind of taking things from retro wrestling's history that might not have the highest public opinion. Last mm-hmm. week, we talked about Tony Schiavone. And He's I think good. his stock has been on the rise anyway. We've talked about Mongo this season. Yeah, Mongo. Sid. People are buying up that stock, <laughs> yeah, huh? That's right. In Your House, It's Time. That was a big Great one. Great show. This is a segment called OVP's In Defense Of.
Quinn, this week it is your pick. It is. Who are we defending? Well, we're going to delve into a bit of the modern this week. We're going to delve into maybe our first, maybe real controversial topic amongst wrestling aficionados out there. Right. Um, We're going to delve into John Cena. (laughs) Thank you, Justin Roberts, for that. He's great. John Cena. Now, he may seem way too modern, but you got to remember, folks, this guy debuted in 2002. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> so. We're at a point where it's not really modern anymore. It'll be like the 20th anniversary of John Cena. Like, that's a lot at this point. It's a lot. Now, I think he's retro. At this point, a lot of his career is. What do you think it is, Quinn, that he needs defending from? There was a perception for many years, and we've talked about it on this show with throughout other segments over time. In passing. Yeah, in yeah. passing. But there is this point in John Cena's career where he got, he was down in the dumps. People hated him a lot. He and could he, do no right. In all, in all intents and purposes, John Cena is a weenie. He's, you know, he caves in to all the demands that the mothers out there, the mothers who don't watch WWE, the ones, they're the ones who brought the downfall of the attitude era nobody cares what you think and he refused to turn heel or they, they didn't want him to, to. to yeah nobody wanted to turn him heel and, and it always was a sting point and i i still feel to this day sometimes he'll get booed it, it, you know it's it's dissipated over time but i still feel the hate is there he's seen as not as good as the previous generation that he came from there and i think that that's like yeah. really unfair because I think he did a great job with what he was a part of, and he sustained the WWF for 15 years uh, yeah, or so. At like, least a decade, really, yeah, full-time. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. I think, you know, the uh, the meme, LOL, Cena wins, right? Right. I think with anyone that is on top or in front of your face for a really long time, and I'm talking Hulk Hogan right? by the early 90s, I'm talking John Cena in this case. There is an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm. We see it with announcers even. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, right. Tony Schiavone. When you see someone so much, you start to be able to pick apart everything they do. You also say, I want something new. I want, something, want new. something new. But they're, but they're in the middle of their run. Correct. So it's, it's like, what are you going to do about it? What John Cena did, and we're not going to recap his whole career, folks, because we it's so long that we don't really have time for it. And he wrestled in an era where he was on TV like every week. Which credit to him, because I yeah. remember fucking Hulk Hogan doing that. No, like halfway di- through, he was just like, game. I'm not showing up anymore. Well, they superstars. didn't. No, they didn't want him to show I, up, Quinn. It's not know, like he was but, like, I'm not showing up, brother. He did the house shows every day. We got to film Mr. Nanny and stuff. Too. Rough stuff. Yeah. But as far as John Cena's WWF career, from debuting at the onset of the Ruthless Aggression era, as right. I roll my eyes slightly, because I hate the name of it, that's all. Um, Is it, you it's hate a good the name, era. It's like, a good era. It's not bad. No, it's a good era. Looking back, it's funny because I think it was worse than the previous era, but looking back, it's like, this is a little bit better than we got now. So It's actually arguably more risque and provocative than the Attitude Era in a lot of ways. A lot of the crap there's that a people lot of, talk about. There's a lot of stuff that goes too far. In well, it. the Katie Vick, the Divas, and all yeah. these, that was all during that, but John Cena, you know, debuted the Kurt Angle match, if you recall, with the open challenge thing. Uh Uh-huh. Who in the hell are you? I'm John Cena. And then by the end of the year, he had turned heel and turned into, initially as a joke, you know, Vanilla Ice for the Halloween. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a new proposition. Your position is that of a failure. I'm a nailer to Jamie Noble's trailer. And that parlayed into the Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick. Now, I've seen stuff, and I and I remember living it. I don't think if he had not tried that gimmick, 
we would not know who the fuck no. John Cena was. He'd he, be he, he says it's Reigns or something, <laughs> you know, like somebody nobody cares about. He said it saved his career. Yeah. Doing that gimmick. And it got over. It got over as a heel, a cool heel where people cheered him, right? And he had the throwback jerseys and all that. And again, we, we know all this. And then by 2005, he had been face again for a while. In 04, beat the Big Show, WrestleMania 20. Which, you know, I think this is something that gets overlooked, this Big Show match, right? Because this is, to deal. me, a great example of them taking the old school tact of building somebody up. Like, they built him up to just the U.S. Yes, title. They did. You know what I mean? Like, it's that slow. People forget that. It's like Cena, it took him a while. Like, it took him a long time, and they, they made a big deal. He won the U.S. title, right. like you know, and I thought that deal. was really cool. It's the first time we've seen that since, like, I don't know, like Bret Hart in the Intercontinental yeah. title or something like that. For it's the like, most part, sure. you know, like that. Steve no, that Austin. we have this young superstar who's ascending, and this is a big deal that he's yep. winning his first mid-card title. Absolutely. And he then migrated to the world title scene in 2005, notably beat JBL WrestleMania 21. Right. And that's when the shit started. Like, soon after he becomes a champion, we get the backlash against Cena. Right. And you know what, though? To his credit, he always handled that extremely well. He he should be called Teflon John. Yeah, You know, honestly. seriously, because the, the booze would roll off this guy. Like, yeah. he would just smile at the crowd and give a big wave, you Almost know. Almost sarcastically, but... Yeah, he, he, they, he knew... He it's knew. not like it's even the character in kayfabe knew because sometimes yeah. he would acknowledge it. Absolutely. And I thought that was very neat at the time. I think one of the best examples, Quinn, of Teflon John was ECW One Night Stand against oh, RVD. God. That, that, is, that is not the crowd for John Cena. And they knew that. It's right. not like Vince or anyone was going to be surprised with that. What right? I think is interesting about that is they used it yes. in their favor. And the that, that's he- one of the rare times that the WWF said, wait a second. We could make him like a heel, but only in this self-contained ECW universe. And remember the way he came out, like holding the belt with his head down, like not doing the usual John Cena and all that. Very sullen, I guess. Yes, very just serious. Yeah. Toilet paper now being thrown at Cena. Toilet paper. He doesn't belong here. Then he became a Marine, as we all know. I'm a real Marine. I'm a real yes. Marine. This, and this is the John Cena movie star 1.0 phase, John, right? And this is the era in like 07, 08, where we called him John Hogan. John. We, we got tired of him. This is this, I, You know, it's funny. You and me, I think we were diverging off everything. We didn't mind him even when he was like the ECW era. People were right. booing him as much. We minded him when he became John Hogan. John real Hogan. Mar- I'm a yeah. real Marine. Right. Like, but we started to respect him a real lot uh, in the early like part of this past decade. You know, the early 2010s. Kind of, he kind of broke away from it. It was, and we talked about it in the Miz thing. Yeah. Is that he spent a year basically like, I'm not the world champion. I'm just always. on the roster. Correct. I'm here. I'm John Cena. Hi. And then he became around 13, 14. He became Big Match John. Which I love this phase of his career because it was always there that, hey, man, this guy could wrestle. Right. But they don't really, they, you know, he's always just destroying people and that's Correct. stupid. And I think a lot of this came from, too, this Big Match John era and all this is the CM Punk injection is a very crucial part of John Cena's career and a crucial part of the John Cena hate. I totally agree with you. You know? It's easy for you to sit there and act all noble and holier than now when you've been afforded opportunity after opportunity. See, you're placed on a pedestal 
So your perspective is skewed. You look down on everybody else. You look down on me. It, it started to introduce, first of all, that John Cena is a good wrestler because he would have these great fucking matches yeah. with Tampa. I really think like the one seminal moment, the seminal feud in John Cena's career is versus CM Punk. It might be his best one. Right. There's also, there's a bunch. I want to run down a few in a second here. It's definitely, I think, one of his best things that he yeah. ever did, for yes. sure. The whole, this whole phase yeah, is that whole wonderful. Phase. Uh, with John Cena, I just want to run down a list of people that he had very good feuds and or matches with, okay? Okay. Triple H, 2006, it was very good, where he, where he defeated Triple H at WrestleMania 22. Yeah, I think a that lot of people like that because also they were just like, fuck Triple H. Like at, By 2006, that was like when we wanted to see John Cena just squish Triple H. I like, definitely he, did. Like, enough already. Even if the crowd at WrestleMania didn't, I yeah. definitely did. Right? I was I was, hap- I was right. on board with John Cena giving him the FU and Absolutely. the five-knuckle shuffle and all this yep. shit. Like, just get out of here. The Edge feud, another this, huge this one. Is, this is That's a, big a seminal one. feud. It's, it's a seminal feud, but like I said, as far as the hate is concerned, this is this is still the like we kind of like him, we kind of don't. don't yeah. like, Edge was like a perfect, perfect opponent. Op- that's like a macho man. That's like John Cena's macho man. Absolutely, you know what I mean. I agree. They were great together. Yeah. Great feud together. RVD we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho in 2005. They had a really good feud together. Yeah, although it's I don't the one know. that sent Jericho out of the company. You know, right. the loser leaves Raw match or yep, whatever yep. it was, right? Umaga, remember the fucking last Why man standing match? So good. This was our good. This was a bizarre <laughs> mid-year. Like I remember, it was like July or something like that, and it was a very strange like mid-year diversion or whenever it was. I think it was early in the year in 07, But okay. either way, you know what I mean. It was like not at an important time. It wasn't no. like during a season of WrestleMania no. or anything like that. And I always remember, and this is you know going back 14 years now. The iconic to me, John Cena choking him out in the STFU with the turnbuckle. Like, it was great. That was, was a great match. It was a great way to like end it because it was like Umaga was a big nuisance to and he John was Cena for like three months or yeah. something. It was long. And Umaga obviously was great too. We got to bring up 2007's Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania. Mm, wonderful. Where Shawn, to his credit, stepped right up for Triple H who went down with a quad injury again. You want, and- you want, it, you want me to tell you something? Yeah. This match wouldn't have been as good if it had Triple H even without a quad injury. Probably not. No, honestly. Shawn Michaels, this Shawn Michaels, John Cena, this is like, to me, what I like about this, again, this is another example of like, man, if we really let John Cena just wrestle, he's actually like really good. He can be great. He's better as a, like a Hogan type. He's better in the ring than Hogan like ever was. Even even we're talking about Japanese Hogan In or terms whatever. of wrestling ability? Yeah, I really maybe. think he's a better athlete too. Better athlete. Uh, I don't know if he's quite a Hogan in terms of in-ring charisma. No, but I know? mean from a a technical standpoint, even though Probably we give better. we we hand it to Hogan cuz we know he has the ability. Yes, he does. John Cena he was very good. I think because he's athletic too, I think that really helps. He was yeah. very adaptable and very easy yep. to have like this technical match and you're like, "Where the fuck did these moves come from? Like good. why is John Cena doing this?" And don't forget that rematch with Michaels that in my mind was arguably arguably better uh, in right. London a couple weeks later on Raw where right. Michaels won. Right. And Cena, oh no! Looking for the second half of you tonight. Look at that! And Michaels, oh yes! Michaels hit! Sweet 10! Cover! Oh, yeah. oh Michaels wins! Oh my gosh! Great, Great match. Uh, he had a good feud with Batista a couple of times, actually. That was during the Hollywood Batista era. Wonderful. The onset of that. Batista versus John Cena was a feud that that felt years in the making because yeah. those were guys um, building in From parallel. From the same time. Yeah. Exactly. Building and, in parallel. And then finally they collided. Almost like a Brett and Sean. Yeah. In terms of 
And I, I want to give some credit to WWF. That's the, one of the first times I saw, wow, doing this SmackDown versus Raw shit was actually a good idea because they, they built up on their own shows right. and then they finally just collided. And it was good. Yeah. We obviously talked about the CM Punk thing. I just want to specifically mention the Money in the Bank Chicago 2011. Oh like I said, this is the big John Cena and not people not liking John Cena right. thing. This is this is it. Now, obviously, they're in Chicago and it's CM Punk and it's really it's about him. But his partner there, his dance partner, was John Cena, and Cena more than upheld his end of this whole thing. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. I know it's CM Punk's moment. I know that. I know. But Cena was tremendous in this, and I love the moment where he gets out and punches Johnny Ace. Look at Mr. McMahon. It's coming for the bell. Mr. McMahon, I believe, trying to signal to the timekeeper. And he sent it later, and I just down the right hand by Cena. It's a great moment. Yeah, it's really good. Another one that flies under the radar sometimes is SummerSlam 13 with Daniel Bryan. That's the yes. one that kicked off the Daniel Bryan arc where the, Triple H was the guest ref, I think it was. That match at SummerSlam they had was so good until Triple H stuck his stupid face well, in. That like, was it's part like, of the angle. But that's a but great match. But the match is great. It's like, great. Remember how like that ended and everyone's like, oh, this could go off the air. It's a great, what a great ending. Yeah, great right. SummerSlam. John Cena, ver what a great match. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. And Triple H. Triple H. I'm Triple H uh, and I'm going to fuck <laughs> this shit up. Uh. <laughs> and then uh, obviously another one that he had that was really good uh, from Royal Rumble when it was Brock Lesnar and oh Seth my Rollins God. against There's John Cena. Another, another. John Cena beauty right here. Yep, and uh, holy shit! All three guys were great in that. And let's not sleep on his feud with Kevin Owens. Yep, that was really good from fifteen, sixteen, I want to say, and AJ Styles. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the last thing he did actually was that really fun, ridiculous thing with Bray Wyatt. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I don't yeah, care. I know, that I was know. like John Cena Lucha Underground edition. Right. It was wonderful. So that's a, a very brief recap of just some of the notable things he did. There but I think what we should take from that yeah. is like, I think the hate is so unwarranted. We just listed you off through the years, a bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Now, that being said, there is one feud that we did. I don't, I, maybe I didn't hear it in there or whatever, but John Cena versus Randy Orton. I don't, that just, I don't like it. Right. But that's my point. This is yeah. like, the, this is the stuff that I think gets unfairly hated on. John Cena versus the Nexus. Right. Wade Barrett. Like yeah. all this weird, he had a bad period. Don't get me wrong. There were some times where it was like, what the hell are they doing with him? Yeah, them? but I think what exemplifies that and what kind of defends it is that all the stuff you said kept going and going and going. Yeah. John Cena, it was like ups and downs like any other person. Like, yeah. I mean, for fuck's sakes, like we love Bret Hart, but he feuded with Isaac Yankum. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's like, this is the kind of shit that happens when you're around for like 15 years yeah. straight. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. So I think that, if, listen, if you don't like John Cena, I'm not trying to change your mind. Right. That's not the point. You know, it's, I get it. Some people, he's just not for them. Or maybe you just don't like anything that happened after a certain year. Yeah. And by default, it's bad to you. I can't but, do anything about that. But to say he's a bad performer, not as good as, as his previous era, like, I don't see that. I think he's actually like, believe it or not, a savior to the company. He's something that I don't know what the fuck they would do. They wouldn't even be as big. There maybe would be like no WF network or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? He's that important. He's very important. I think that he is uh, within his context and within the time that he wrestled. He's one of the best that they had. I think it's unfair to compare him to Hogan. Mm -hmm. I think it's unfair to compare him to Austin or The Rock. And I think it's unfair to compare Austin to Hogan. You right. know what I'm saying? There are different eras here and yeah. different ways they did business and different audience, really, uh, in a lot of ways. John and Cena had something that a lot of wrestlers didn't have 
before him. Like uh, some wrestlers tried, but that was a connection to children. And I know he did. I know Hulk Hogan did, but nobody had that kind of connection that John Cena had. You know what I mean? That's Since true. like there was like it was Hogan and then John Cena. Like yeah, nobody, Austin wasn't like a kid friendly character. Right. And that's the that's and the thing you can't discount about John Cena in general is that the reason you know why they, they we remember we talked about this, how like Hulk Hogan, why he was so great is that he could be the face of the company and go on the road and go to all the bullshit towns John's, and fucking sign autographs and do all this crap and yep. like do all like make a wish and yep. you know, every little extra thing that is on the person who's in front John Cena did this for like a decade yeah and he did it arguably on a, a tighter schedule than Hogan I think like make a wish for example yeah and I think that's one more thing to mention here despite any of us and we were those people Quinn uh, in our 20s in our 30s you know just being like ah Cena sucks and why fine. can't he turn heel blah, right, blah, blah. Right. and you think that that's great that's okay but the kids the kids yeah. always liked him. He, right. oh, he was a money printing machine as he far as He was a merchandise. I mean, there was a new John Cena shirt every three months and it would sell the fuck out. Yeah. Like, it was like, remember the Nintendo one? That went. That one was like... It was a good one. There, but that's like, what I'm talking about is there's there's even like memorable merchandise, which there's not a lot of characters you can say that for since then, like the Austin 316 shirt sure. we've talked about. Yeah. But like John Cena, the Nintendo shirt, I remember everyone yeah. had that shirt. Yeah. And he was a real life superhero to kids. Yeah. He really, he really was. was. He really was. To kids, we weren't kids during that, so we don't have the same. He looked like a Superman, like in real life, yeah. but he also seemed relatable too. Right. He wasn't this. I, I thought he was a great melding of every man and superhero. Right, that's a good point, Quinn. Yeah. And I think that John Cena is again. If you don't like him, you don't like him. You know what I mean. But right. if you look at what he did, look at the body of work. That's I, all I'm if saying. If you still to this day, maybe you just haven't revisited John yeah. Cena. Look at some of his greatest yeah. hits, like, and just see, like, first of all, the quantity of them. There's so many of them, right? And second of all, just look at how good of a performer he actually was. That's the thing about Cena. I wouldn't call him the best promo. I wouldn't call him the best wrestler, and I wouldn't call him, you know, the best thing of all time. But he is very good. He's one of the better, well-rounded yeah. performers that mm -hmm. they've ever had. He's like the Ryu of WWF or something. <laughs> or like, Mario, I yeah. guess, right? And Super exactly. Mario 2. He might not be the best talker. He's not the best talker. No. He doesn't have the best wrestling matches, right? He isn't the best of all time. But he is one of the one of the best performers that they've had, and especially within the last 20 you years. You put it all together. That's all. Like, you put... Decent at this, decent at this, decent. And you put them, you wrap them all together, and you're like, "This is a pretty good superstar." Like, you know what I mean? Like, excellent, maybe. Yeah, and broad appeal, crossover appeal, especially these yeah. days. He's just a solid, solid guy. I like him. And I, I and really I, appreciate. Yeah, him. and I think as time goes by, because we're just getting, I think we're going to very soon within the next year or two enter a John Cena nostalgia period. We may because we're going to be, you know, five ish years of him kind of not full time. Yeah. And that's when it usually kicks in. It's like, man, look what we lost. Yeah. Like, right? It's and then like, we'll be pissed off when he comes back because he's old. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that's okay. But uh, we're at that point, right? We got point. we got two or three more years until the John Cena nostalgia yeah. leave comes in. So, <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? So, folks, let us know what you think. That's a great pick, Quinn. I think uh, he does deserve some props, honestly, mm -hmm. because whether you liked him or not at the time, and I get if you didn't, because I didn't, when you look back and you really appreciate him for what he was doing, I think he's great. Yeah. I think it's a great pick, Quinn. Fantastic. So, folks, let us know what you think. You can, of course, do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But when we come back, it is Royal Rankings time, week number three. We are taking two more names out of the tank, and we're going to see where they rank. That is the Royal Rankings of WrestleMania main events. 
And that is coming up right after this. The new energy drink ahead of the bunch. This is YJ Stinger, baby, pound and punch. You get a rush of energy every time you take a pull. All the mother drinks, man, they fill with bull. This is the real deal, baby, and the facts are true. You want a boost? Grab a Stinger made by a stack of two. You know how we do. This drink is number one. Helps energy, performance, concentration. So go and get one and grab them by the case. Look for the Stinger can with the yellow jacket face. Drink kicks ass. I don't care about wings. So go and catch the buzz and feel the sting. Uh. We want to introduce you to the perfect magazine collectible for all retro wrestling fans, Inside the Ropes Magazine. Head over to InsideTheRopesMagazine.com and check out the retro magazine that everyone in the business is talking about. It mixes everything you love about pro wrestling with its vibrant colors, detailed features, exclusive interviews, and top quality journalism, all delivered with a retro feel and presentation. Issue 7 of Inside the Ropes Magazine is all about the global phenomenon that changed the wrestling business forever, Hulkamania. Also, they have Part 2 their epic exclusive interview with the legendary Sergeant Slaughter, where Sarge talks about wrestling Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7, the Ultimate Warrior situation at SummerSlam, becoming the WWF Commissioner, and his first-hand account of what happened that infamous night in Montreal. This issue also takes a deep look into collectibles with the fascinating history of wrestling sticker albums, documenting their evolution over the years and their surprising longevity. You get all this retro goodness and the latest WWE AEW coverage and more in issue 7 of Inside the Ropes magazine. Demand for previous issues is already increasing, so make sure you get this collectible cover with the Hulkster before it's too late. So head on over to InsideTheRopesMagazine.com and use code word OVP for a discount on your first purchase. That's discount code OVP for a discount on your first purchase at InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It is Monday, March the 15th for episode 215. When we mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a Patreon. We have that. Now, we don't do that to try to get rich quick and all these schemes and no, stuff like it's that. Not, it's nothing like that. No, it's not the Honeymooners. It's not Steptoe and Son. Why do we do it, Quinn? We do it to make extra content for you. Extra content for you. So if you, like I said, if you've been listening for a little while and you like what you hear and you want more of it, there is more of it. And it's two separate shows from what we do here. This is our weekly free show. It'll always be that way. Yeah. But on Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast, there's two tiers. We have on the $2 tier, the 1983 Canon. It's a huge Canon. It's the best Canon. I love it. Tremendous Canon. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing there, folks, is we have gone through every episode of WWF Championship Wrestling since January of 1982. Right. <laughs> right now, we're in October of 1983. It's crazy, really. And we are going through this to see how we got to the Hulkamania era, and then we're going to go beyond yeah, the Hulkamania era. Yeah, it's probably era. just going to... going to keep going. Yeah, we'll get to John Cena eventually. One day. What this show is, folks, it's an audio or video show. You can watch it along with us, or you can listen. It comes out bi-weekly. The free ones are actually on our YouTube channel and on this podcast feed. If you want to get a preview of it, we upload the old ones when a new one comes out. Right. So you can kind of like trail along. And then if you want to get caught up, it's only two bucks a month on Patreon. Yeah, they'll never catch up. So you kind of have to get the Patreon. Correct. Now on the $5 tier, that's only $5 a month. That's the highest tier we offer. You'll get the 1983 Canon. And like we mentioned, the pay-per-view review series. And this one started with the first WrestleMania. Right now, out right now, is SummerSlam 92. This is where once a month we go through the pay-per-views in order. 
These reviews are typically over three hours, sometimes four. Right. Because we do them in detail. We break down everything for you. Even get the exclusive OVP star ratings. It's all there. Very um, important. You, you need that information. <laughs> right. Now, if you're interested in the old WWF pay-per-views from the 80s into the 90s, this is a good tier for you because you can just sign up right now. Check it out. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Five bucks a month. If you can swing it, we will bring it. And again, if all you want to do is just listen to the free weekly show and be left alone about Patreon, we understand. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. But if you want the stuff, it is there. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Now, Michael. Yes. Royal rankings. Royal rankings. What is this all about now? Yeah. If you're new here, you might not know what that is. What are these guys talking about here? They already yelled at us for being on the internet or whatever in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the show. Yeah. That's what is, true. We did. <laughs> what is the Royal Rankings? Well, each season before the season starts over on our Facebook group, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was WrestleMania main events. Then our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, he takes all of your votes and he puts them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. And then each week we alternate. This week is a rankings week, which is the best. At the end of the season, what you are going to have is the definitive certified organic non-GMO baptized names, non-GMO USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Very prestigious, Quinn. Yeah, that very United important. States Dairy Association, whatever it is. Yeah, they're involved. Yeah. <laughs> so we're really trying to milk this one, if yeah. you will. Anyway, so let's run them down, Quinn. At number one right now, Hogan Andre WrestleMania three. Yeah, I mean, it is. Can't really. It is a, it's classic. What are you going to do yeah. about it? I just want to clarify before we move on. Number two here. This isn't strictly about what turned out to be the best wrestling match, folks. It is a combination of factors. We have multiple criteria mm-hmm. for our criteria on the, or something like that. Yeah, criteria. As we talked about there, <laughs> you know, with the flush, it's all about the stinkage. This is the less stinkage factor. This is the linkage. Yeah. And uh, Hogan Andre is just the biggest one. And. That's why it's a number Most one. linkage. A lot of linkage. Number two, Rock versus Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 18. Crazy. That's a crazy high ranking right now. It is. If you think about it. It is right now. Yeah. Number three is The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels from Wrestle 25. Wow. Tremendous match. It, uh, that's the controversial one. The, these two are the controversial ones yeah. right now. That's your fault. You didn't fight hard enough. Number four, talking about stinkage, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels hey. from WrestleMania 12. It's okay. It's, uh, I don't see I'll it say, being, I'll say this. What? Shawn Michaels is on here twice and Bret Hart's on here once right now, Joseph. Yes, he is, Michael. Uh, can you believe it? Yeah, I can believe it, actually, uh. because Bret had better matches at other events, usually, than WrestleMania just, main just events. Just saying. Just yeah. saying. Okay. It's gonna Good for you. Take pride right now. Yeah, I'll remember that. All right. Well, with that said, those are the four on the board. Two more are going to be coming out of the tank, but before we do that, we must go down. We have to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. The 
of WrestleMania main events, week number three. Quinn, we've got four on the board already, and mm-hmm. uh, honestly, it could get tricky from here. Yes. I don't know I mean, if it's hairy yet. We'll be at more than half after this. Yeah, this is a big deal, folks. Yes. So we've run down the names on the board already. I guess we'll briefly recap, Quinn. What does make a WrestleMania a great main event, or what makes a great WrestleMania main event, why it might be on this list to begin with? You remember it? It's a pretty good match. It's not all about the match. Correct. It has the least stinkage. <laughs> I think it's important that we talk clarify about this. The stinkage, this yeah. Clarify the stinkage on this. It doesn't this, stink. These lists. It has very little stinkage. Right. And I don't know. You care about the storyline going in. You might not know who's yeah. going to win. Right. I yeah. always like to say that might be one of the factors. Or you might know who's going to win and you just want to see it happen. That's, right. That's fine, mm-hmm. too. Okay. So we've named the four on the board. Like we said, two more are coming out. It is a hot and heavy field, folks, and we're going to fill it up a little bit more. Without any further ado, let's go down to the fans and find out who drew number five. Yes. 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 Daniel Bryan. Ah, this I love this. Versus Randy Orton versus Bautista at WrestleMania 30. Now talk about a tale. This is they, a tale that they weave and it was um, unintentionally. <laughs> but wow. I guess we can really trace this back to what we were just talking about earlier, incidentally enough. Around the time of SummerSlam 2013, mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan had been on the rise. Now, we know that Daniel Bryan had started doing the yes thing as a way to piss off the crowd when he was a heel. It wasn't no. I no, think he it was started it as yes. Yes, and then no, and then back to yes. When it caught on and he was still a heel, he started doing the no right. to wave everyone off. And yeah, so Daniel Bryan's build up to being prominent was not even just SummerSlam. If you recall, right before, he also had the whole Kane angle. Correct. That That's what put him over the top, set him up for John Cena, right? Yep. And like we mentioned, he has this match against John Cena at SummerSlam 13. Fantastic fucking match. Yeah. He wins. He beats John Cena. <laughs> Holy shit. Triple H is like, uh, oh, I don't like you now. Uh, and then yeah. I believe Randy Orn comes in and defeats Daniel Bryan. He cashes in the money in the yes. bank, if I recall. That's correct. And then the title goes into abeyance later. And everyone's all mad because they just want Daniel Bryan to, to be, the be the actual champion. champion like like he's John Cena, like defending right. you know yeah. all year or that kind right. of thing. So we get towards the end of the year, the end of 13, and the Wyatt family is rather new. Yeah. And at this time... Not everyone knows that it's horrible yet. Like people think no, it still it, could be good. I think we thought we we're like, oh, this is pretty neat, <laughs> yeah, right? right? It's right. like it's like this weird, like almost like Undertaker style. Undertaker Whalen Mercy combo. Like, yeah, it's like a better version of the Ministry of Darkness. Right. And Daniel Bryan gets put into a feud with them and he loses a match where he has to <laughs> join the Wyatt family and the coveralls and all this stuff. <sighs> this was <laughs> I was so mad. We were all pissed, and we thought... Oh, I remember, is- like, remember, because I was really, like, out of all of us, I think I was the <laughs> most invested. So I was just so, like, pissed. what are they doing? <laughs> right. Like, why? And why is this happening? There was the rumor they were going to call him Daniel Wyatt, but they never did. It's just, like, <laughs> it was a casual thing that we said and people yeah. on the internet. But anyway, then there's a fantastic moment 
where I think it was a cage match or something where he was fighting Bray or somebody. I, I think he was like teamed with teamed them. Teamed with them. Or something, and they were fighting somebody else. And he tears off the shit and does the yes on the top of the and cage. And it's like, yes, he's Daniel Bryan again. Good. Fuck these guys, you know? <laughs> And then we build towards Royal Rumble 2014. And we're like, okay, he's going to be in this. He's going to win gonna it. He's going to win the Royal Rumble. I believe he had a match at the Royal Rumble. He, he fought Bray Wyatt. Right. Very early in the card. I don't know if it was the opener or not. I can't remember. Didn't and, he just win? No, he lost. Okay. That was the big thing. So you're like, okay, okay. he loses this. Now, right, my, right, right. I remember now. Mind you, he was not advertised to be in the Royal Rumble yeah, literally they, ever. Okay. Can I just literally say? Literally ever. Can I just say, I feel like that's not an excuse. And I'll tell you why. I believe you. Because. Usually, everyone that's other than the champion, even the Intercontinental, everyone tag champs, whatever, yeah. they're all in the Royal Rumble anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's like everyone who was like in the matches before right. is usually in the Royal Rumble. Not only that, Quinn, they make a habit, you know, the last 15 years or so of having only like 10 people actually announce and then you find out who else is in it right. when they come out. And usually one person like wins the 30 spot or yeah, whatever. Right, right. You know, all this yeah. bullshit. You guys know. So even though he wasn't announced, yes, it's plausible that he could have been in it because you got random people coming out all the I think fucking it's time. more than plausible. Right. Like it's, it's not even like questionable. Can you blame the fans for thinking it? No. Right. right. So anyway, we get to the Royal Rumble and it just so happens to be that Batista was promoted to be returning. And everyone's like, we didn't really ask for this. He had the, like <laughs> tiny pants yeah, or whatever. He, he looked like Pitbull. Remember yeah. the skinny jeans. And I remember being like, I didn't really, I don't need we to. We didn't ask for this. Want, but, what are we doing here? It's like here? we like Batista, <laughs> yeah, but like he doesn't need to be doing this, right. right? So we get to the Royal Rumble. Batista comes out around, I don't know, I want to say like 27 or so, really late. There's still no sign of Daniel Bryan. Right. So we're like, okay, right. He's gotta he's he'll, gotta get involved he'll be here or soon. something. Don't worry. And I think I'm pretty sure that they said Rey Mysterio was gonna be 30, but like we even figured like they can't. Like, come on. Yeah, right. Like, he's right. gonna like the Wyatts are gonna beat right. him up or something. I don't know. So we get to the point where it's looking kind of dire and it looks like Batista's gonna win this thing, right? Yeah. And number 30 hits, and it's Rey Mysterio. Booyaka, booyaka. <laughs> He is the winner of the 2006 Royal Rumble, Rey Mysterio. He holds the record for lasting an hour, two minutes, and 12 seconds. Won't have to last that long tonight. Boo! Like, every, every, the crowd turned on this. And I it's have not Rey's fault, obviously. I have never seen a Royal Rumble devolve into legitimate hate from the crowd. Yes. Like, they, they hated every single thing that was happening post the Rey Mysterio entrance. They were like disgusted that they would not put Daniel Bryan in this. Like it was, I've never seen anything like that. The only glimmer of hope was Roman Reigns because right. they're like, we don't want Batista. We want Roman. Yeah. It's Dude, like, well, fuck him. Right. You know? They're like, fuck Batista. What and then he... that's how we got them interpreting <laughs> yeah, that Roman right. Reigns is more over or something. And then they did this thing again the next year. Right. But that's yeah. a different story for another time. So anyway, we get to the point where Daniel Bryan's not in it. Batista wins. Everyone's booing. They're turning the crowd sound down. Yeah. You know, Michael Cole has to act like it's good. This was a, let me, let's put it this way. I think this is one of the biggest blunders I've ever seen them make. And they realized they fucked they up. They did. Like, like to they, their credit. Like they, they saw the writing on it was like, nobody wanted this. No, they didn't. So to be fair to the WWE, they actually 
did give the fans what they wanted right by WrestleMania but the 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 truth is from everything that I've ever been able to find out about this they really were going to do champion Randy Orton defending against Batista as their big main event at WrestleMania now, 30 I argue that them fucking up wasn't a bad problem and I'll explain to you why it's almost as if they did a great angle with Daniel Bryan. It seems like. And they didn't realize <laughs> how well they did. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't under, they thought, well, obviously the, the big star coming back, that's going right. to, the crowds are going to love that, right. right? They're going to, I mean, we have this great Daniel Bryan angle, but that's not as like. That's not as important. As this, right? right? Like Batista, huge star. Everyone loves him, right? In a lot of ways, Quinn, it's like Luger, Yoko in 93, where they just wanted Brett. And it's like WWF you know? not realizing that they did a good job <laughs> yeah. with Bret Hart. And then they correct it after yeah. the Royal Rumble with Bret also. Right, you know what exactly. I mean? Similar to that, but this was definitely not intentional. And anyway, we wound up building to WrestleMania 30, which is a great WrestleMania, and we've talked about how great WrestleMania 30 is. Right, and I think that we talked about the first part before, right, where Daniel Bryan fought Triple, Triple H. H and so, so that's the story, right? He has to beat Triple H in order to be in... If not, it's just going to be Orton versus Batista. Now, okay, as much as we always shit on, like, the authority or whoever's in charge, whatever, yeah. this was a good use of this. And I, I'm going to argue for it because here's the thing, is what the WF did smartly is they realized they fucked up, right? But they're like, well, how do we write in that Daniel Bryan, like, is even involved in the main right. event, right? Well, we say that the people in charge, we acknowledge that they fucked up and just have characters that represent yeah. it, right? And yep. so basically they're like, well, we don't think Daniel Bryan's that good. We like him. Right. He's a B-plus player. He's a great wrestler. And then we but get the like, yes movement. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they made the way they framed it is it came off as just like, oh, fuck these guys. Yep. Like, we know he's an A-plus yep. player, right? It's yep. like, you know what I mean? And they actually, like, conveyed probably what management thought. Correct. You know? And to come in as final boss Triple H, right? It's right. like, well, you think you're good. Uh, you gotta beat me. Uh, yeah. Perfect and, and casting. Then, and then you get, yeah. you get in it, right? That's perfect character work. I'll give Triple H credit because... It used the hate for it, Triple yes. H, right? It used like his whole history of like being like the slow plotting main event wrestler guy. And we talked about how Stephanie's amazing in that too because she's so hateable in this yeah, whole Yeah, oh, angle. she's awful. And she's supposed to be. So this she is did a her good, job well. good yep. version of Stephanie. I mean, we recognize that there's value in the Daniel Bryan brand. I mean, granted, not as much value as A-plus brands like Batista or Randy Orton or even Triple H. And to open WrestleMania 30 from, if you're Hulk Hogan, the Silverdome, uh, right. <laughs> Superdome in New Orleans, Daniel Bryan does beat Triple H. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, that was a great moment because it was. there was still some doubt up to that point. <laughs> yeah. People were like, oh, God, Triple H is going to horn into the main yeah, event somehow and win the title and everything. It's like, what is this shit? They like, could you know? have done it. Yeah. <laughs> and we finally get to the main event after a very good WrestleMania. Very good. Very fun WrestleMania. Right. And the whole show was really good. Very, very good. And Randy Orton's there, and it's like, no one really cares that he's there. Or is this weird, like, I always thought it was funny with Orton. His whole role is this bizarre incumbent. Like, he's just like, he just exists, and it, it feels like he's just going to lose. And like, what like, is the point of him? He's all sad about the authority. He's like, but I'm the champion. Yeah. I want to be the champion. Remember, he's like, all he's like, I won the money. It's kind of like this guy that's like, I won the money in the bank. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, I want it fair and square. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, Orton actually, the weirdest part is he did nothing wrong. No. You know what I mean? Right. And technically, Batista didn't. He won the Royal Rumble. Right. To yeah. be fair. 
But anyway, we get to this match and there's two heels in it. Orton, <laughs> who is the heel, and Batista, who is like a default heel. Right. So yeah. much so that they just fucking say, you know what? Screw it. He's Let's a, turn him heel a, he's later. He's a heel. He's Remember just a fucking heel. Blue Tista and all yeah, that and evolutionary exactly. forms. But Daniel Bryan... To the credit of all three people involved in this match, yep. end up being a really fucking good match and a, good. a great happy ending and a rare in this time period of WrestleMania. No fucking controversy, nothing. No. It's like, no, the good guy wins. Every single person in the crowd is happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like. <laughs> not seen a such a positive ending right. to WrestleMania that wasn't like, oh, we could see this coming a mile away, blah, blah, blah. Like, they had lightning in a bottle here. They had something that it was accidental, but it was something that was organic and everybody wanted. And they just went with it. They just right. fucking went with it. They just it. went with the wave. Now, you know? to be fair, the rain afterwards, despite Daniel Bryan getting injured, it looked like it was going to be in the vein of like more mid upper card world title they really reign. wanted to just like revert back to like oh remember Kane yeah, remember how Daniel Cor- Bryan and Kane were friends or yeah. whatever we want to do that right so it it might not have gone well Daniel Bryan got injured so we don't know what they would have done right. we don't know how long he would have held it and we don't know the how Kane it would have gone was long enough as it was <laughs> yeah, like even at like even after WrestleMania I remember there was like three months of it before Daniel Bryan got hurt I felt like at least give or take two or three that said though as far as capping off a WrestleMania and the build that went into it, it's a fantastic moment. If anyone's curious, Dave Meltzer, for what it's worth, gave it four and a half stars that match. It's a great match. It's a really, really good, especially in the more modern, like, triple threat E style. It's this very good. This is a good. great use of triple threat. It is, no, in this case, it really is, right? It should have done it in SummerSlam 92. But Shut up. I'm not the biggest fan of a triple threat match anyway, but in but this case, it made case, so much sense. Here. sense. Yeah. Yep. Great stuff. We'll see where it ranks. Mm -hmm. But if you're done with that one, Quinn, I'm done too. We can move on to number six. Glad to just see our fans pick it up as like a great WrestleMania match. Because I really think it's like a archetypal or whatever. Sharon wants to correct me on the usage of the word, but... PP. Yeah. It's a really great example of a great feel-good WrestleMania main event. Right. Plain and simple. Number six? Sure. Count us down, fans. Speaking of a great example of a WrestleMania main event, Randy Savage versus Ric Flair from WrestleMania 8. Woo, indeed. Brian Morse will be happy. Ric Flair in the main event of WrestleMania. Hey, I mean, first half of a double, I consider this to be the true main event because, look, I like Hogan. I love Sid. That match sucks. It's (laughs) It's like there's no heat. Why is Papa Shango in it? (laughs) Right. We we reviewed this recently, and it seems very half-assed. The, the Hogan Sid, I mean. I don't know what the hell they're thinking with that. <laughs> yeah, it's... It I, seems like, wow, we really want to do that Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair thing, but it didn't sell tickets or something. Yeah, so, but hey, we got Ric Flair versus Savage out of it. Yeah. Much better, in my opinion. Excellent match. Excellent story going into the match for something that they really had to, like, throw together quickly. What, yeah, good point. And what I love about the story, obviously, it just stretches back to two main things. Ric Flair won the world title in the Royal Rumble. And in excellent moment that establishes Ric Flair is like, no, he's actually like good. Right. He's not just this joke in a robe right. that says he, he's the best wrestler. <laughs> right, that he has this other belt. No, he mm-hmm. has the real belt now in WWF mm-hmm. canon, right? 
And then Randy Savage, who had been reinstated in December, he had been in the Royal Rumble, and right, he was at that panel and the press conference and all that. He's like, oh, oh yeah, whatever. I'm happy for the Hulkster. Well, I mean, he he really wasn't shouldn't have been the number one contender because no, he, he got not plopped out at like the third to last yeah. or whatever. So fair enough. Once they switch it in kayfabe on camera to Ric Flair versus Randy Savage, Ric Flair concocts a scheme to screw with him. Right. He has photos that we find out later were doctored where he's like, she was mine before she was yours. Right. And all this. So Miss Elizabeth is, I don't know, like leaning onto Rick in a sweater at a pool or Feeding something. Him grapes yeah, and all yeah. these. Yeah. There's something with a horse. And look at here at the stable. Oh. <laughs> there she is with her two favorite studs. <laughs> yeah, I guess you were her first mate, huh? <laughs> yeah, something like that, Mr. Perfect. Did they actually put it in WF Magazine? Yeah, no, yeah. they really did. Yeah. And then a few issues later, Savage like provided the original ones with him and them. <laughs> well, good. It's good. But <laughs> it's great because if there's one thing, if you're going to screw with Randy Savage, there's one way to really get to him, and it's Elizabeth. Right. Jake it, Roberts did it. Anytime you mess with Miss Elizabeth, it's it's not really good news. He loses his shit, right? But, but see, the, I always thought there was a huge flaw in Flair's logic, but I sort of love it because it's just like such an arrogant heel would only do this. It's that like anybody who's tried this shit knows that Savage goes ballistic and you're going to lose. Usually like, you lose, you, right? You, other than Hogan, but Hogan doesn't ever lose. So. Hogan didn't. He, he was an idiot. He just yeah. didn't know what he was doing. Right. But Flair's playing with fire here. Yeah. You, you don't do this with Randy Savage, this, this right? This was a little risky for Ric Flair, if well, you ask me. Because he sullied her reputation on national television. Right. So much to the point that Macho Man, the guy who only cares about winning the WF title back, he's obsessed with it for years and years. All of a sudden, that doesn't matter anymore. This is an afterthought. Yeah, it's just like, I'm going to kick this guy's ass. <laughs> yes. So we get to WrestleMania 8 in the Hoosier Dome, as right. Lord Hayes would say. In the Hoosier Dome. In the Hoosier Dome. Obviously, with Gorilla and Bobby on commentary, they add to the storyline tremendously because Bobby Heenan is Ric Flair's financial advisor. He has a stake in this shit. <laughs> yes. And the whole night, it's all about Ric Flair. And Gorilla has had it up to here oh my with God. Bobby Heenan and Ric Flair. So Gorilla's a big macho defender. Yeah, and he's just tired of hearing about Ric Flair yeah. from Bobby Heenan. You know what I, I mean? I love that Gorilla keeps noting, by the way, because if you're a kid, right, you're like, you might think to yourself, well, Ric Flair's got him cornered, right? It's like he's going to he's gonna make a mistake because he's all nuts and stuff. Right, right. But, macho, but Gorilla keeps pointing out, and I love this about Gorilla, he keeps pointing out, he's like, I'm telling you, brain, this is going to backfire. <laughs> yeah. This is going to backfire, right? Like, yep. like Gorilla is insistent that this shit is not, it's not going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. It's true. You're right. He he's does like, play it like that. Happily warning brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, brain. Yeah. <laughs> not going to fucking work. Yeah. So we get to the uh, middle of the show. Good placement on the card because you got to close it with Hogan, blah, blah. We get to Flair's entrance, right? And Bobby Heenan's in all his glory. You know, if you want to be fair to Flair, you got to be fair and say that's a heck of a run. Only a man is fair as Flair would show up at WrestleMania. Will you stop? What are you talking about? Got Mr. Perfect with uh, Ric Flair. They think this is a sure thing. Right. Like, they're, they're like they're, he's he's an idiot. They're going to capitalize on oh, it, and yeah. that's going to be it. The pre-match promos from both guys yeah. are great. Well, actually, Savage doesn't even really give one, right? I think it's only on Coliseum, but Flair's is great, right? Right. Bobby Heenan is amazing during the match, selling it from the booth. Right. Gorilla's fantastic at this you match, too. You can see in the brain's eyes it like slipping away yep. and it's really wonderful <laughs> and it, yeah. like he's like rick flair's like bleeding like a pig and yep. bobby's realizing oh god what did <laughs> yeah. we do like, what are we doing here yeah and we've we went into this match in detail in our wrestling review if you are interested but 
special shout out in this case to Mr. Perfect for playing the ultimate like dickwad heel here. He's so annoying. <laughs> he keeps then, interfering. But even Miss Elizabeth is good because yeah. she like storms the fuck out and she's like, this is bullshit yeah. basically. And yeah. she like she like slaps Ric Flair and At shit. At the end, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shane McMahon's trying to get her out of there. Dave Hebner and, and, and sneakers, sneakers yep. trying to get her out of there. Obviously the match is a back and forth affair here. Ric Flair blades because fuck yeah. it, you know, gets fined 500 bucks or something like that. But fuck it. I'm blading. I, I just, I think it's so funny. The, the, the backfiring is so funny to, to me because of the fact that even Miss Elizabeth like gets physical with yeah. them. It's like, wow, this, this, they fucked up. Didn't they? It's like enough already. You yeah. know what I mean? Because the other thing is this, right? Flair is Flair is being Flair. Yeah. Mr. Perfect is interfering so much that when Savage pulls the tights at the end to win, Oh well, yeah, too no, bad. Nobody feels bad. <laughs> like nobody feels no. Like they keep yelling about it. Everyone's like, "Who cares?" Like, what did you see? What the fuck? You guys were cheating the whole time, right? Like, Perfect literally reaches in and yanks Savage out of the ring at one point. Even when like he's Gene them. ignores that shit. <laughs> Everyone and, does. He, and the gorilla like rubs it in yeah. after you know the the Martel Tatanka match. Yeah, Gor- I didn't see that. Or yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> gorilla just rubbing it. Mister Perfect spent as much time. Is Rick Flair. Yep. The whole you're a liar thing. Yeah. Mr. Perfect spent as much time in the ring as Rick Flair did. We discussed that with them. I'm a broadcast journalist. You're a liar. I'm a financial consultant. You're a liar. And I'm going to sit here and do my job like the gentleman I am. You're a liar. If you don't like it, you can get out of here and you can you're a liar. your phone and your headset. You know what you can do with Because what? you're not going to get me upset. You're all upset. You understand that right now? You're not going to get me upset. Don't jump. It's a long way down. Put him up. So, I mean, I know that was a quick, you know, summation of the match, but it is a tremendous, as far as the match itself, tremendous example of a Randy Savage match mixed with what Ric Flair can do as a heel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it plays to the strengths of both wrestlers. Well, yeah, because Savage always brings an intensity, drama, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of drama in a Randy Savage match. It also event. brought to light something they didn't do, but it did it in like a kid-friendly WWF way that they probably couldn't do overtly like they did in WCW, but like that Ric Flair is this really weird ladies man guy yeah. like that like yeah he's he's shady and maybe he sleeps with people's wives and stuff it's like, very possible right you know <laughs> what i mean this is stuff they would overtly say and yeah in and NWA. they kind of fail it a bit in, w, in, in wwf they had this is their way of doing it they bring they, there's just been a wedding yeah with this beautiful lady yep. miss elizabeth yep. what if rick flair said that you know what i mean it's perfect it really was done well it's an awesome match too as far as a wrestling mm-hmm. match, it's really, really, really good. Uh, as Savage usually is on a big stage. I mean, mm-hmm. the drama and flair. I'm not going to take anything away from Ric Flair. Tremendous in this match. He, this is one of the first times awesome. that Savage was paired since Ricky Steamboat. For, it's been a long time, at the 1987 to 1992. A long time since Macho Man was paired with a wrestler of his caliber. On a big stage, especially. Like an Absolutely. actual wrestler of his caliber. Because every time it was Hogan. Warrior. I mean, I guess Dusty, but like that was a different, tag match. Different sapphire involved in sharing. It was and usually big, charismatic uh, psychology. I mean, yeah, like crowd psychology people, like you said. Yeah, like Hogan, Dusty, like Dusty, like Jake Roberts, right? Who's not really much of a wrestler, wrestler, you know? Yeah, but they're all great in ring, you know, generals and stuff. But yeah, Ric Flair was like a per. We saw that in WCW. What a perfect match they were together. Yep, they're it, it, great. This, this feud went so well that they were able to just keep rehashing it. 
It kind of worked. It worked in yeah, WCW no, I, I, also. I like the WCW iterations of it. I like the idea that we went the step of making Miss Elizabeth heel and stuff. Oh, it was awesome because she was in real life and they they weren't together anymore. It was a perfect way of resolving that, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it And then was. it made it cooler when they got back together, but they're kind of like platonic friends yeah, who like are a, fucking with people. It's and a it's business like, relationship. Yeah, it's actually like kind of great. <laughs> I like, like it, yeah. actually. Like 97 when they're yeah. heels together. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it is good. It's like, we're not sleeping together. We no, just no. want to fucking kick everyone's ass. Yeah, this like, is a business deal, man. Yeah. We're uh, just here to make money. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great match, though, Quinn. I think it's the one of the highlights with along with Brett Piper uh, mm-hmm. from WrestleMania 8. I really, I know you really like it, too. We yeah. both think the world of it. We got a crowded scene. Are we ready to rank? Yeah, let's rank. Got a crowded scene here. So starting with the triple threat from WrestleMania 30, I will immediately tell you that it belongs above Brett versus Sean. I agree. Now, can we say why briefly? Because I can rewatch that. And oh, I, yeah. And I have. I and- think I... This is one of those rare instances that I loved the moment so much at the time. And it was the first show ever that was on WF Network. And I remember that I watched this main event multiple times because I just wanted to relive how it made me feel. I think that's a a true story. Like I I was like, I loved it so much that this was like when I realized, oh, you can just go back and watch the, the even like the next day I can Re- relive it. I remember like, you doing it, that. Yeah, and I was like, it was so good, and I, and I remember that was like the first time I I realized like this is like digital age WWF now, right. where you could just go and man, great great night last night. I can go rewatch yeah. the match, and I I thought that was just a really cool aspect of this. You know, that means a lot from you coming from uh, Brett versus Shawn because obviously Shawn Michaels winning is a huge moment right. for you. But Daniel Bryan really captured me in 2014 or yeah, whenever. There was something about that where we had, and we've probably mentioned this several times, but we had a room full of people over for WrestleMania 30, Quinn, and more than half of them weren't wrestling fans. They were engaged in everything that was going on. You have to remember, too, this is the same show that has the Undertaker streak breaking. Yeah. The fact that... That these three were able to go on after that. Yeah, and light and the, it up. And, and light it up, and the crowd was into it. The crowd loved everything at this show. Yeah, they did. Like, everything. It was a good crowd. In fact, they were a little... They didn't know what to think of the Undertaker match at first, and then when what happened happened, all of a sudden, this show gained a mystique. Yeah. Like, they, they realized... Everyone in this crowd realized they were at something special here, right? And it, Yep. And it is. It's a, a very good, very, very good modern WrestleMania. Yeah. It really is. Now, I think I agree with you, too, that it's just a more rewatchable moment and match than um, Brett versus Sean. The outcome of Brett versus Sean, not with Sanding, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like the Brett loss, but forget about that. I just think that the the story arc going into it, I was more invested in. And believe me, I was a big Bret Hart fan, but I, too, had I had more they connection. They had me connected since SummerSlam. Yeah, and that, exactly. You can, you can never say that like, about rare. a WrestleMania it's match. Rare. Like, yeah. it, this was the true blow-off to a six-month arc. Yeah, it was. I love it. It's fantastic. Does it have a shot at toppling Undertaker versus Shawn, though? I'm not, I don't think it topples it, but I want to say this about it, is that I think it's a better moment than this. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I think that's its biggest strength. It's got that moment factor. Like, this, it's very, very memorable. I remember watching it. Like, when I, I mem- remember where I was and what, who I was with and what and reacting to it. I yeah. can't say the same thing about Undertaker versus Sean. I think I was in front of a gigantic screen or Probably. something. Yeah. yeah, I think we had it on a big projector. Undertaker Sean is still, in my mind, out of these five, the best wrestling match. Right. 
And that's not a dispute. I will no, not dispute not that. not disputing that at all. At all. It's the best wrestling match. Is that alone enough to carry it above number four, Batista Orton and Daniel Bryan? Because, I mean, we have two inferior wrestling matches above Undertaker Sean. Right. For their moments and for their magnitude. Here's the thing. This wasn't a bad wrestling match. It was actually a good one. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, God. I. This is where I still feel the folly of Undertaker and Sean being at three. No, because, I, I don't. Because I think... I it, think I think number... I think, it's, this is so hard because if I compare it to Rock versus Hogan, right? In yeah. some in some part of my brain, I could think of this being better than that. Well, it's a better wrestling match, sure, and it's the culmination of a storyline. And it's still got the moment stuff going on. Absolutely. It, you know, you know, if anything that this match does for me, it proves that wrestling, in in my personal experience, right, it proves that wrestling will never fully die. And let, let me elaborate on that. This was so far removed from any boom they had. Yes. Right. Correct. This is so far removed from that, it, and it doesn't even involve John Cena, which no. is crazier. Yeah, like, I know. Sort of like at the beginning of the storyline. Yeah, but very briefly. This proves that they could make something happen with newer stars that had no association with Hulk Hogan, Rock, Steve Austin, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret sure. Hart, Undertaker, whatever. Like this, this is proof that that yeah. that generation of people could hang yep. and they could bring you a story that was so great you know now is that enough to put a, here's my only problem with Undertaker Sean from Wrestle 25 my only real problem with it it's not that important fine it's the I, I, maybe I'll get some hate mail for that but please understand what I mean I guess it doesn't matter it doesn't in the long matter run. in the long run it's great it right. is great it's Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in the best match that they ever had and one of the w- best WWF matches and WrestleMania, for does sure. Does anything past WrestleMania 20 matter in the long run? Oh, I'm sure it does, Quinn. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, John I, Cena defeating uh, JBL was a big deal. I guess. Uh, to get that. Uh, Batista won his first world title at WrestleMania 21 as well, didn't he? Right. So, yeah, sure, things matter. But I, it's tough for me because on one hand, it's like Undertaker Sean is... It's like one of the greatest WrestleMania wrestling matches ever. And Batista, Orton, and Daniel Bryan is not only a great wrestling match, but the moment of Bryan winning. Here's the other thing that I kind of include in part of it. The fact that there's like a match at the beginning of the show that's related to it. They, they've never done that at WrestleMania that I know of. Where you had to like, other than the tournament, obviously, but well, yeah. where you had to like win a match to be in the match. And it wasn't like you had to beat some, any like, goober or like the Miz or something it's like no you had to beat Triple H first you know what I mean like yeah the only similar thing but it wasn't predicated on winning or not was uh, like WrestleMania 10 right but but that you were guaranteed the shot so no matter what the stakes weren't there yeah there were no stakes fish yeah (laughs) chicken yeah exactly uh Ah, Quinn, what do you think? I, I almost feel like we have to leave it I think we have to leave it there I hate to do it though (sighs) moment wise it's big yeah I mean, Hogan Andre is number one, but again, that sold WrestleMania three. That's why that's that's sold WrestleMania as as a a show. And Rock Hogan is there because it's Hogan's big return. It's Hogan versus Rock. It's a dream match. The crowd. There's a lot of things there. And Undertaker Sean is as high as it is because strictly of the wrestling quality. Okay, let's just leave it. It's still high, right? I mean, it's 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 number four. It's a the irony is something from 2014, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not a well-regarded era. Every, everything sucked after whenever, right? Is above a match featuring both of our favorites yes. at a WrestleMania main event. 
Yeah, in the I, 90s. I think that's as fair as we can get. Sure. Speaking of fair, fair to Flair and Savage. Better than Brett Sean. Yeah. Right? Um, I think so. Yeah. This is always my problem in comparing this match to other WrestleManias. I love it, right? Flair Savage. But it, it's it's always been like an unconventional, a weird detour. The way I look at it, I don't. the whole WrestleMania 8 is this weird detour to me. I don't consider it this like... It's not like in the pantheon of events to me. Let's put it that way. All every, of 92 was a detour after Royal Rumble, practically, right? Yes. And that's great. But it's also like... I think if you look at, if you asked a bunch of people, I think if you asked a bunch of casual people, right? Because nowadays wrestling is kind of like more in the main, people know about it, like certain things about it, right? Sure. If you ask them, man, remember the time Ric Flair fought Randy Savage at WrestleMania? People like, did that even happen? You know, all that's all I'm saying. They'd be like, what's Randy Savage? No, I, yeah. I know what you mean, Quinn. They know who Macho Man is and, yeah. and, and Ric Flair, but they are they probably more think of WCW even so. Maybe. All right, well, let's talk about a couple of factors here. A little bit of criteria. The storyline is better than Brett versus Sean, in my opinion. Right. That's why it's above that. Like the storyline and the rewatchability and the but, match I mean, it itself. has to be better than Brett versus Sean because that's what I mean. Brett running on ice and right. stuff. <laughs> but although I, I, John, I appreciate the... They capitalize on the background of both Brett and Sean for 12. That's fine. There's just something less intriguing. It just seems like Brett Sean should be better. And those two are not each other's best opponents. That's I still, all there is to it. I still hate to always say this to people, but Montreal is a better match. Be well, because <laughs> of the heat. The it's heat. so good. The like heat. I, I, lo- I hate that that had to end the way it did because I like the match. Yeah, I think Bret Hart hated the way it ended the way it did too, Quinn. Right, but I just I just think it's actually like... It's a great match. It's like a great if, wrestling if match. If Bret Brawl. left the WWF brawling with Sean in the crowd and that was just like, there was no controversy. What a way to go. What a way, because it's so fitting. Yeah. Like, it's so fitting it is, that though. they're You're like... Right. Imagine if the matches ended with them brawling out of the building. Oh, that would have been awesome. Like, you know what I mean? And that's like the end of Bret Hart and WWF. Now, that would be fun. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, again... I think Brett Sean's very good. Every factor of Flair Savage is better than it, though. Yeah. Now, when it comes to Batista, Orton, Bryan, we're similar in the fact that we have two really good storylines. The Daniel Bryan one is a, lo- a lot longer reaching. Right. A lot more history. The Flair, the fucking Flair Savage. Like a month or something. It was like a month, literally. I think it was March when Flair revealed the thing. It was just long enough that they could get the WF magazine out there. Yeah, pretty show, much, right? show you the thing. We're talking about a match based off a magazine article here, folks. And, I'm, just, and, I'm just saying. And Flair with the sweater, and she's like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. You know, that whole thing. That said, though, when Randy Savage does something with all his heart, it is always memorable. It's true. And always really good. I don't know why. It feels like it would be unfair to just, well, nostalgia factor and well, blah, blah, blah. And that's why when Batista, Orton, and Brian threw a lot of bullshit gave us one of the greatest WrestleMania moments ever. Like, you know, I'm just saying. And, and yeah, and the match is, is comparable in terms of quality. It's a totally in different f- type of match. In fact, I'd argue that the two matches we're talking about here yeah. went both went through a lot of bullshit to get to where they were in real life. Because obviously yeah. Hogan versus Ric Flair was the real match. Uh, well, the very early plan. Right. They had abandoned that by around January. But Exactly. Yeah, and I agree with you to that extent, Quinn. I don't know how to kind of separate one from the other, Quinn, because on one hand, nostalgia, I could easily put Flair, because, you know, WrestleMania 8, Gorilla and Bobby, obviously, right, right, you know right. what I mean? 
And both are really feel-good moments, though. On the other hand, if I want to really be objective, the build, the execution of the triple threat at WrestleMania 30 is just as good as Flair Savage. I always remember a moment in this Batista Orton Bryan thing that I think captures how well it was done. What's that? I remember, first of all, it captured us to the point where we were watching the weekly Raws again. Yeah. Which I can't say a lot of a lot about anything ever. True. Second of all, I remember our friends coming over to watch those Raws also yes. because they were so sucked into it and they wanted to know what we thought as wrestling fans and, and just what like what was gonna they, happen. What next was gonna happen. It was captivating. And I think the thing that and it's all part of the same angle. I think the moment that always resonates with me is that that night that Daniel Bryan became a construction mechanic or whatever. <laughs> and that the, the absolute despair. And we were like arguing in a living room outside with our friend. Were we? And I remember this before he was leaving and he, and he was just distraught. He's like, how could they do this to Daniel Bryan? Like, this is crap. Like he should, he's the best wrestler and he should be in the main event at WrestleMania. <laughs> and like for like 10, 15 minutes before they left, like it was just this, this, and these were people, the friends of ours that just didn't watch wrestling this right. whole time. They yep. couldn't believe it. And it was so stunning to them. The fact that this got everyone. It did. Like that. It was in, a big in, deal, in, man. In, in 2014, when we're in the height of, it's all fake and yeah, everything's planned. Nobody and really cares anymore. Yeah. I think that's saying a lot. And that's And that's the one thing, too. Listen, I know we're a retro podcast, guys, but obviously when we do Royal Rankings, it's always open to everything. You yeah. know what I mean? And if something gets voted in, that's newer. It's newer. Right. But it's not fair to hold a time period against something when you look at it within its context. And when you look at this within its context, it might not be when you grew up watching wrestling. It might not be the Hogan era. It might not be the Austin era. That was one of the best six months of wrestling that I've ever seen. Yeah, and it went right downhill. Oh, yeah. It a fell couple right the hell this. off right after this show. Pretty much right after. Yeah. Honestly. So what do you think? When is it better than Flair Savage? I think it is. How do we quantify that? I hate to say that? it. I feel like this is going to be so controversial. Well, how do we quantify better? I think it's long build is what puts it over the top. Whether it was intended or not. Whether intended. It doesn't matter. I mean, fucking Ric Flair versus Macho Man wasn't intended. <laughs> and has a very short build. Yeah. Is Flair Savage a tremendous match, though? Wonderful match. But this is a good match, too. Right. That's the, that's the thing. is We're not talking about match quality. Uh, exactly. They're both good matches. Match. Does Flair Savage have a feel-good ending? I guess. So yeah, does it, this. It's still also inconclusive, though, if you recall. Remember, like, Savage is still like, I want more Ric Flair. Right. Fuck him. Like, right. You know what I mean? They're still, like, fighting afterwards. Now, the fallout after WrestleMania 30 is worse than the fallout of WrestleMania 8 because, you know, Daniel Bryan fights Corporate Kane and all that. And then Yeah, but here's the, here's the difference. The face absolutely, definitively beat everyone. There was no, like, I want more of you afterwards. Like, True. it was just like, no, I win. Ha ha. You lose. Like, it's over. Faces win. Fuck you. Like, you know, that's it. It's a self-contained six-month storyline, ultimately. Yeah, it in ends the end. at WrestleMania 30. Yeah. I'll it's great. It, I'll keep it there. Sure. I can't find a reason to put Flair Savage above it. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. They're almost even as far as I'm concerned. They have very similar qualities. I think they're 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 right next to each other, and that makes total sense to me because to me they're very they're storylines that diverged yeah. from what was supposed to happen. Okay. Again, if you disagree, folks, what I always like to know is just why. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I like to know why. If you just say something's better than something else, I could do that too. Right. But we try to tell you why. Exactly. So tell us why, and we're happy to hear that. But yeah, if Quinn, if you want to turn your key and lock this in. Let's lock I'm it in. ready to go. All right, folks. So for 
week number three. Number one is still Hogan Andre. Number two, Rock Hogan. Number three, Undertaker Sean. And the newcomers, number four, Batista versus Orton versus Bryan from WrestleMania 30. Number five, Savage and Flair. Number at WrestleMania 8. And number six, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, of course, at WrestleMania 12, where it belongs at the bottom. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but thank you, folks. And again, let us know why. We really are interested. Just let us know. Let us know what you think. You do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, let's return to our old stomping grounds, the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, them. Them. We're reviewing WWF Superstars from 1994, and that is coming up right after this. Remember this phone number, 1-900-909-WWF-8. If you call right now, you'll get exclusive WrestleMania 8 interviews. Straight from Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Ric Flair, and other superstars. You'll also hear updates and results from the greatest WWF event in history. Cost of the call, $1.49 for the first minute, 99 cents for each additional minute. Kids, ask your parents' permission before calling. Don't delay. Call the WrestleMania 8. Hotline right now, Hulkamaniac. wrestling fans it's time to shout out our friends of the show now these are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling kind of like ovp let's start with the best of southern fried wrestling we're talking filthy we're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast we're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the nwa each week and then for a whimsical journey led by one man pete winson Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about Booking the Territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 215. Hope you enjoyed the Royal Rankings. Quinn? Yes? We're reviewing something. Yes, we are. WWF. It's the WF. WF. Uh, one thing we've been doing, folks, and we'll keep doing this, is on Facebook, we have an announcement post where you can actually suggest specific episode reviews. And if you don't know the date of it, you can just say what happens in it, and we'll mm-hmm. find out. And we can't guarantee that we'll get to every single one, but what we're going to be doing is taking the suggestions for our reviews quite frequently here. And this one, Quinn, was actually suggested by Christian Ouellette, who is a big fan of the show. Thanks, Patron. Christian. Thank you very much, Christian. And it's WWF Superstars from July 30th. 1994. Quick background here. Mm-hmm. This is right when I started watching wrestling. Oh, really now? Yes. However, I didn't see this episode. I think I saw like the week before. I didn't see every single one it's yet. It's like that period when you're getting into yep. wrestling, but you sometimes miss a week because yep. you're like, you're not fully invested yet. It's not right. It's not appointment viewing yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I did watch right around this period of time. I remember the build to SummerSlam being a whole big thing, but I didn't see this one. Now, in WWF um, 1994, Mm-hmm. As we know, Quinn, not the best period for them. A good WrestleMania, but most of the year sucks. Some of the year is very dingy. Yeah. Dirty. It's not great. It's they hang. Cheap. I feel like the whole year hangs its hat on WrestleMania 10. Yeah, you know and what? Even in this show, they're talking, we're going to do a live show. You know, WrestleMania 10 was there, so it's got to be good, right? <laughs> yeah. Although, I will say, SummerSlam is a, a very good show for right. the most part, but... It's okay. It, it's yeah. It's okay. It's not the hottest period for the WWF for sure, and they're in much smaller venues. Yeah, uh, which you see on television. But hey, they got Burt Reynolds that time. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. they had Burt Reynolds briefly. So we're in the build to SummerSlam clearly here, and the reason we're doing this one, uh, obviously, it was suggested, but I'm sure there's a reason why it was suggested, and we'll get to that very right, shortly. Right. 
So as far as WWF 94, it's okay. And the, the programming generally is hit and miss. Raw is sometimes very good. Right. In 94, mm-hmm. Raw could be very bad in 94. Oh, yes. But Superstars, got to give it credit. Superstars is still always Superstars during this period of time. It's still the same Superstars we know and love. Short shit matches. Well-paced. Well-paced. Yep. Usually like a feature. Yep. Usually you know. a feature. So good stuff. Yeah. Daniel Quinn, and if you want a copy of this, you know who to reach out to. It's not me. No. Uh, so WWF Superstars, July 30th, 1994. Okay. So before I even hit play, yeah. the, these were the things I wrote down. Okay. Two concerns. Will Lex Luger and Tatanka be involved? <laughs> Second, how much decline are we talking here? Fair questions, yeah. Quinn. Both of those are very fair questions, yeah. right? We're going to find out. Uh, we get the usual 94-95 intro, you know, down, down, down. Yeah, the video game music yeah. intro, but the kind of gritty in-ring shot yelled yep. did at the same time. Yep. And you know what? I admire how they shoehorned JR into the intro, putting his headset on, where yeah. it's usually Vince. That's now, funny. Now, the reason Vince isn't here is because steroid trial. Right. And neck surgery. Well, he's planning to run the company from prison yeah, via right. Jerry yeah. Jarrett or whatever. Totally right? true rumor. The reason Gorilla's not here is a very sad reason. It was actually at this taping, which was July 3rd, 94, on his way home or way to the next town where Joey Morella got into that accident <sighs> with Harvey Whippleman. So mm. this is taped July 3rd in Ocean City, Maryland. By the time they were ready to do the voiceovers and the on-screens, right. Gorilla obviously took a leave of absence. I understand. And they pulled JR in from the weeds, and they're like, hey, can you're going to come back, and then just fire him like right afterwards again. But Did that really... Wait, he was fired already by this point? He got fired in February of 94. Oh, man. I always get the timing off. I always think it's like late 94 that all this happens. He gets fired a lot. Yeah. They bring him back in just it's for... It's true. It's, it's no. actually confusing how yeah. many times he got fired. They bring him in briefly, and then by August, they let him go again. Right. And they finally bring him in for good at like the end of 94. I don't know why this was so hard for them. <laughs> He's a good announcer. Yeah. Anyway, I do admire how they put him in the intro, at least, as we get a voiceover from JR explaining how today, Quinn, we've got a world title match. On Superstars <laughs> yeah. in 1994? What? Yep. We got Bret Hart, the world champion, defending against Bob Backlund. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. That immediately, I know where this is going. <laughs> and also, I posted a screenshot of this recently. Tama is in the intro for a second. What? I will explain why. So, you know the gritty in-ring clips, right? Yeah, yeah. The ones that they like with the overhead like drum yeah. cam or whatever. They filmed those in March of 94 in, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, Seattle. Okay. Okay. And on that tour, on that leg of the tour, Tama filled in for Fatu ah. for a few matches as part of the Head Shrinkers. And they happened to be filming when he was wrestling. I see. And I don't know if they either didn't know, they didn't notice or if they didn't think anyone would notice, but there's a proud shot of Tama Good. in the intro. <laughs> Good. What's up, motherfuckers? I'm yeah. in the intro. <laughs> it's not even ever on the show. Never. Anyway, we're joined by JR and the King. In 94. This is already a weird thing. Isn't that weird? Right? JR and King. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to more exciting WWF action. I'm Jim Ross, along with Jerry the King Lauder. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special broadcast for you right here this week. It's like a default pairing because King was the regular color guy. Right. And obviously, Gorilla was with him a couple of times. Oh, hi, King! Yeah, Fuck that was you. weird. Remember, King's wearing that weird, like, demolition shit <laughs> yeah. on his chest? Sunglasses. Yeah. Anyway, King here is wearing his classic black and red gear, and they're at the green screen, which is <sighs> near the entrance. It to- looks so bad. Yeah, but to be fair, on CRT TVs in the 90s, it no, didn't No, you couldn't bad. tell, but yeah. it's... Now it looks bad. It looks awful. Of course it does. Uh, now, King is all indignant. He hates Bret Hart. He says Bret Hart's only giving back on a title match because he thinks it's going to be a pushover. 
Diesel's music now fires up, and he comes out with Sean. He's the Intercontinental Champion. Now, Diesel, not Sean. Being yeah. this, is so, this is weird, because Jer or King or one of them yells. It's like, oh, there's the Intercontinental Champion, and I'm like, oh, Shawn Michaels, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, Diesel. Yeah, I got news for I you. For, I always forget that this this is such a weird reign. It's very short. Yeah. One of the April. It's very odd, yep. and especially with Shawn Michaels hanging around, and he's just okay with that. He's just his manager. I don't... I don't get that part of it that they didn't delve into at all. That I don't know why is Sean not a little pissed that his bodyguard is the champion and not him? Because Sean couldn't beat Razor, so he figured, all right, if Diesel wins it, at least it's still in the family. Yeah, it's, it's you know? weird because Sean's approach is, from a kayfabe character perspective is that he's he's sticking it to Razor Ramon. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? He's like happy and he's almost like celebrating that razor got beat by the bodyguard yeah, that's right all it like is. that's that's what the, he finds amusing about that's it that's pretty much what it is like he's playing games like oh i could be the champion whenever i want yeah. like that kind of thing pretty much uh the big video board behind them has the truck video coming at you i always like that yep. one diesel's hair by the way really crappy oh my here. goodness growing it out so it looks horrible it looks really bad his opponent is dave thornburg who looks like an 80s sitcom boyfriend mm-hmm. and king Ew, look at this guy. <laughs> Happily making fun of him. I like that. Yeah. You're surprised. Oh, look at this guy. Dave Thornburg. I bet he's pretty dangerous. Don't you think? Probably stick here or something. Mike Kyoto is going to be the referee here as JR plugs the Razor and Diesel SummerSlam matchup. Diesel with some chokes in the corner. As I can see the ceiling. Thanks, 1994. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Ocean City, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Diesel with some knees in the corner now. As JR informs us that Sean versus Razor on Raw this week, which is oddly important for Raw. Yeah, not only that, Quinn, that's actually Sean's first TV match literally since WrestleMania 10. Really? Yeah. This is the, the I still extended height. He, I don't know. He like never wrestled. He's always <laughs> having time I off. I don't get what 1994 is for Shawn Michaels. This is fucking pet project. Shawn Michaels over here. Always taking time off. But always it's not even protected. just that. At, yeah, at, at certain point, he's, yeah, like, he's, he's taking steroids. He's on commentary. He's on cheeseburgers. I don't know what. He just doesn't wrestle a lot. I don't know what lot. the plan is, right? It's like, we're going to make him such a big deal, right? But why are we not? Here he is it's as a manager. It's the same thing that I keep telling you about. the. It's the Randy Savage logic. If he doesn't wrestle or something, it's, kind he's of. better. Yeah, I or, maybe. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it just it makes no sense. <laughs> anyway, Irish whip and a flying shoulder block by Big Daddy. Cool here. Side slam, which looks really good when Diesel does it because he's so tall. Yep. Ica Pro Banner proudly hanging on the wall. Look, look at all the decline. <laughs> I know. Uh, foot choking and then a rope attack by Diesel as Sean yells random crap on the outside. Diesel hits a big boot. And then Sean <laughs> randomly wanders over and threatens to slap Mark Yeaton. This was literally for no reason, and I kind of loved it. It was, it was great. He <laughs> just wanders like, over. You better not get out of line or whatever. He like yells at him. And Yeaton's like, what the? What do you want from like, me? Why? He's just minding his business. Yeah. Anyway, a foot pin by Diesel gets the win. Nice and quick. Keep being you, superstar. It's like, it's like, it's like two minutes. I love it. It's perfect. They know how to do openers on this show. They do. They absolutely do. Them in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, Diesel's hair still sucks. Anyway. Sean comes in now and dickly like jumps and steps across the jobber to give Diesel a high five. I love it. Just I love running it. all over him. Just, he does it like twice. Yep. It's funny. Promotional consideration is paid for by Razor Ramon for Ica Pro. Come on. Just no. <laughs> Gotta please, sell the rest please, of their no. stock. G.I. Joe Battlecore. Yep. The, the 19. How many times have we said G.I. Joe Battlecore? <sighs> all the time. Yeah. Pretty good sponsorship, though. It's like for like two years or something. Yeah. Why not? Super Street Fighter 2, now for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. This commercial was, like, overly intense. <laughs> you motherfuckers play this game! Yeah, and it was, like, the real-life versions of Fei Long! Yeah. <laughs> it was so, weird. And now we got Fei Long, motherfuckers. <laughs> it was like the dream was over for Street Fighter 2. T-Hawk is here yeah, now. 
T-Hawk. Anyway, he stinks I, in Street Fighter. I don't like him. Fei Long's okay. Fei Long's okay. I, I like Cammy. Yeah, Cammy's good. I like uh, Cammy, okay. And I really like uh, DJ. He could be pretty yeah, good if DJ's you use him well. His jump kick's good. It's, it's E-Honda-esque. Esque. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a big fat jump kick. He's like good, yeah. anybody who's got a jump kick that like their hitbox is enormous, it's always good. Always good. Yeah. Yep. Now we go to live event news, but it's just like a voice only version narrated by Stan Lane. He sounds like he's trying to have like a deeper voice. <laughs> yeah. You notice that? It's always like Armstrong Lane, <laughs> hi, coming up at the uh, Madison Square Garden, you know? It's boss man. <laughs> Hello, New York area. The World Wrestling Federation returns to New York City area in four weeks. Anyway, we hyped up the big WWF Summer Sizzler tour in the New York area. They need to go to the Sizzler. (laughs) Horrible. We got on August 25th, MSG. August 26th, the Nassau dump. Hi, Chuck Mess. Home of WrestleMania 2. Yeah. (laughs) That's uh, not saying anything. And um, August 27th, the Brendan Byrne Arena home. It's crazy that it's still that in 1994. It it is, yeah, until 97. So they get rid of that guy's name. The guy who stole the money from New Jersey or whatever happened. Was that what he did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went to prison. Good. Yeah. Uh, we get a shitty promo from Sean and Diesel now, and Sean's all sarcastic. He goes, oh, we're scared of the head shrinkers. Ooga booga. Did they win the title of this show? Or is that like another? I know that they win it at like the oh, house show. They win it the day before SummerSlam, August 28th. Market Square, your favorite. Oh, boy. <laughs> so important. And then uh, what is up with this? Can we we've I know we've been like skirting around it on our pay-per-view reviews. What the fuck is the deal with this time period of like titles changing hands at house shows? Like this, from 92 to like 95 four, about yeah. like oh that period of time. In this case, I don't know specifically why it was then in there, but it was because they needed to get it off of Samu because of the fish or something. <sighs> There's always a reason and it's fish. always weird it's always and strange. Fish. And it's always like whoever wins it is odd. Like yeah. Sean and Diesel. When, when he's already the IC. Why is that happening? I don't, I, I don't know. Sean then says, I got news for you, Jack. Scare the head shrinkers. Booga booga. I got news for you, Jack. I hate it. That's uh, what he says. Diesel says nothing. Get your fucking tickets now. We'll see a graphic for the card. I'll run it down for you. Kind of a cool main event here. Brett and Razor teaming up mm-hmm. to take on Owen and Jim Neidhart. Not I bad. Say. Not bad. This sounds thrilling. An Indian strap match. Tatanka versus IRS. Why? <laughs> I, I don't want to watch that. Tag title match. The head shrinkers versus Diesel and Sean, Which of course. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yeah. And Mabel and Doink what? team up to take what on... What about Mo? He's what injured. Ha- oh, okay. Injured. They t- takes on Bam Bam and Jeff Jarrett. Okay, I don't want to see that no. then. We go back to the ringside now where Bobby Backlund runs out in his Midwood wrestling jacket. No music. Big thumbs up. Looks like a dumpy retired version of Backlund. <laughs> like the guy sitting on his chair in Princeton. Princeton, Minnesota, that yeah. is, of course. Not the other Princeton. Not the other one. Now, Why didn't they just say New Jersey? Because wouldn't that make him sound smarter or something? But it's not from there. I don't know. Why they does could, he need to sound smart? It's because remember later, he's like, I know, yeah, but that's I later. know words. I know words. Yeah, but he misuses them. That's the funniest wouldn't part. Wouldn't it have been really funny? That's one of his criteria. If the Mr. Bob Backlund subtly changed where he was from. Was from Princeton, Princeton, New Jersey. And just, so, they never said it. Or Princeton University. <laughs> from Princeton yeah. University. Because I'm so, remember, because he <laughs> thinks he's smarter than everyone. Good point. Good reaction for Backlund, honestly. Yeah, even though Fink has to explain that he's former. Could you believe that? Well, that's to hype the angle, Quinn. It's not- I get it. It's just, it's sad. They always all. explain. No. They've been doing that since he returned in 92, they explain. On commentary, but the Fink has to tell the crowd this. It's to hype it. The kids are like, who is that? Well, he's, they know who he is. He's been there hair. for two years. They know who he is. Again, Razor Ramon kicked his ass yeah, Absolutely. 
some very, champion he was. Very good showing for yeah. him. Yeah. Anyway, Brett's newer music, you know, the electric guitar one, fires up now. He storms out. Great pop. I have not seen this match in forever, so we'll see how this goes. I don't know if I've ever seen this match. I usually watch I the, the, the worst one. Survivor Series. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you don't like that one. Horrible. Earl Durrell will be the ref, of course, as Brett drops down to give his sunglasses away to some girl in that, you know, that white and pink Brett Hart one shirt. With, like too much shit all too over it. Too much shit on it, yeah. yeah. that they love to pipe that crap in <laughs> yep. the 90s. And we're moving quick here. JR is very excited to see this. Yep, no fucking around. We only have 35 minutes left in this show. <laughs> Get and there's moving. a title match. That's right. Backlund's got the blue tights on. Brett has the black on top, pink on the bottom. Backlund does his modified Heine dance to warm up. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. He like Heine danced, but like less Heine. A little less Heine. Just to be like, I'm just warm. I'm just getting loose, you know? Getting loose. Stare down and we come face to face here. 1983 canon versus 94 here, That's Joe. right. Versus the new generation, if yep. you will. And we go to break. Okay, hi. We're back with a yeah, bell now. We missed nothing. No. Literally, it's like that was one of those those kind of breaks. The only thing they did is go to a wide shot when they say when they came back. So yeah, you couldn't came, tell. Came back in. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Circle and we feel each other out here as Backlund shoots for the leg. Brett avoids it. Lock up, jockeying for position. No advantage. Circle lock up again. Backlund pushes Brett into the corner. Shoulder block by Backlund. Big beal toss by Backlund. Then Backlund with a body scissors pin for two. Brett slides out, but Backlund comes right down after him, aggressively tosses him back in. Wrist lock cover by Backlund gets two. Back up in a single leg by Backlund. Kick off by Brett. Single leg by Brett. Kick off by Backlund. Standoff as Brett looks around like, oh, what the fuck? This you know? is pretty good. Yeah. Like, this is a good match. I didn't think Brett versus Backlund good match existed, but <laughs> here it is. You know, I wanted to do an old school match for Backlund. I really like him. You know, Bob... Back up, Greco-Roman lockup here. They struggle for position. Backlund rolls out, counters into a single leg, into a cover for two. He tries again for two, and we're getting a lot of, oh, 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 from Backlund. It's very loud, and it's, like, scaring me. <laughs> Sounds like because I know Sharp. Because I know the script. Yeah, I know. It's it's very scary. I'm very impressed about that. Another pinning break of one, two. I mean, he always did that, though, but oh, wow, wow, wow. he's way more loud in this yeah. than he usually is. Well, there's like 10 people there, so I guess it echoes more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, both men are up. Greco-Roman again. Backlund into a waist lock. Go behind. Brett counters. Takes Backlund down into an overhand wrist lock. Meanwhile, King shits on Bret Hart, and Jer finally like has had enough. He <laughs> well, said, yes. why do you always give Bret Hart? <laughs> yeah. Just be... Will you be, take go, it easy? Yeah, go easy on him <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Like, King. <laughs> King. <laughs> it says that. It's real. I went to high school with Bret Hart. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Brett works the arm now, goes into an arm bar on the mat. As I can see the tile wall in the background. <laughs> it is saying. real. No, it's real. Mm -hmm. uh, overhand wrist like now as Brett tells Earl to ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Backlund struggles back up, reaches back up, snap mare, but Brett hangs on and rolls over. Good stuff there. Backlund to his knees. Brett holds the arm bar on, though. Suplexes Brett to the mat, but Brett still hangs on and turns it into a hammerlock. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, very right? good. Very good. This is wrestling that makes yeah. sense. You know, and I'm, this is the kind I like. Yeah. I do like this type of stuff. It's excellent. Brett drives the knees in. Half Nelson pinned by Brett, but Backlund bridges out. Backlund rolls over for two. Brett back up, though. Leg drops the arm, and we go back to the wrist lock. Okay. Now I'm now this is where I'm like, can we do something else here? Sure. We'll switch to an arm bar. As yeah. <laughs> King puts over Backlund's pass, says that he's still very good. It's weird to hear King cheering for a face. It gonna, is, like, isn't Especially it? this like extra heely version, not yeah. like Grandpa King or whatever. <laughs> Uncle <laughs> yeah. King. This is like prime heel King. 94. Yeah. He's but just a douche. He's only doing it. I mean, we know why he's doing it. Right. Backlund, he's got ulterior motives here. But he's, yeah, Brett, he hates Brett still. So it's yeah. like, of course, he's going to cheer for Backlund. So anyway, Backlund makes it to his feet again out of the armbar. Irish whip reversed by Backlund. Drop down, but Brett calmly wakes waits for him to get up. 
and then grabs a headlock and lands an elbow. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Backlund now with a forearm from his knees, and Brett goes down. Backlund then with a quick body scissors pin for two. Brett's up first, though. Headbutt by Brett, which he also sells. Mm-hmm. Backlund with one of his headbutts of his own now. As Backlund now sets up a pile driver, King gets all excited, and Backlund nails it! Holy shit. Beautifully done. Brett trying to set out on him, but he can't. He's got him! Backlund's got him up with a pile driver. Oh, and he it! Both men down. Backlund covers one, two, kick out, and we go to break. We come back where Backlund sets up another pile driver. Backdrop out by Brett, body slam by Brett, and a quick leg drop. Meanwhile, JR mentions capacity crowd, but we're like in a barn yeah. or something. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. There's capacity crowd here. Oh, their capacity crowd. I don't like the match here. What is their capacity? You know, their capacity is determined by fire code. You know that. It's 512 like, people, probably, most likely. Don't stand over here. Yeah. <laughs> we can't block this door. Anyway. <laughs> SRO signs went out. Yeah, they went out immediately. Yeah, they went no out. chairs. They went out as soon as the tickets went on sale. <laughs> Irish whip. Brett goes for the abdominal stretch, but I love it. Backlund swings around and counters it and puts it on himself. This is nice. Yeah, it's good. I love that you like this match. It made me really happy. It's because it doesn't... Listen, there's a lot of arm, but it doesn't... But it, it all makes it, sense. It, it, it makes sense, and it doesn't linger too much because superstars... Yeah. They're moving quick. I think Superstars is very helpful to this match. Yeah, the just Superstars it, venue here. Yeah, it's like this it has to be quick. You can't do this forever. Right. Good point. Brett, uh, the way he gets out, he grabs Backlund's wrist, separates it, breaks free, reverses the abdominal stretch, but Backlund just hip tosses out. This is good. Backlund with a roll of a wrist lock. They both tumble out of the ring together. Backlund slides back in, but he's still down and out. As JR compares him to Jack Nicholson, <laughs> like Jack Nicholson, one of the masters. <laughs> you know, he's old. <laughs> Yeah, that you know he's old king Freddie Mercury. <laughs> it's like one of those like his Don't just his rant. You know how he just always compares I to know. something. Shouldn't say Nakamura. This is like Bruiser Brody in yeah. the U.S. We have wrestlers named Bruiser Brody, and all of these wrestlers are like them. Jack Nicholas. <laughs> it's like Jack Nicholson. You can handle this, true. Anyway, Brett sneaks in and headbutts Backlund in the back. Clubs away. Corner whip by Brett. Reverse. Brett in the corner. Back first. Sells that really well. Backlund with a nice body slam now, but he's running out of gas. Cover gets two, as JR does remind us this is for the WWF title. Thanks. Sweet. What? That's the only reason we're watching this. Why does he need to tell us that? Probably a Vince thing, you know, in the middle in case anyone's flipped it on. I see. Backlund now gets the old Jesse Ventura overhead backbreaker. At this, I'm like, why? That move stinks. Don't do that. That's not going to work. <laughs> and I love that, like, very modern, Brett easily just breaks the oh, hell out yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, he just slips out of it, like, immediately. It's and like, this shit, this shit's bad. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And he lands a backside for two. Backlund sets it up again, but this time, Brett backdrops out. But Backlund bridges out. Brett suplexes him again. Another bridge out by nice. Backlund. Good nice. Good stuff. Backlund now with a backslide for two. It's a great match. So much better than that Survivor Series match. Why didn't they just do this at Survivor? It's way better. Yeah, like a longer version of this would have been fine. Yeah, Instead a of little a bit longer. A little, like five more minutes, that's mm-hmm. all. Anyway, corner whip by Backlund, reversed by Brett. Backlund goes down hard in the corner. Backbreaker by Hitman gets two. JR, by the way, obviously naturally doing a fantastic job calling this. He really is. He's doing an awesome job no, he's calling doing this great. match. Brett goes for the sharpshooter, but Backlund grabs the foot, blocks it, so Brett just lands the diving elbow to shut him up. I love when he does that. Side headlock by Brett off the ropes, dropped that in my backlund, but Brett actually trips on him, stumbles, falls out of the ring. Backlund goes down after him, tosses Brett back in. The title's on his mind here. No count out. Backlund with a cover. One, two, new. Backlund with a back suplex now. 
both men down. Brett gets up first, sets up the snap suplex, but Backlund blocks it. Small package by Backlund gets two. Brett face lock by the champion. Backlund locked it. Backlund thinks he's won. Right. And then he realizes, oh shit, yeah, it's yeah. not over. He goes back over to Brett. And now Brett reaches up, lands a small package. One, two, three. Bret Hart wins. Damn, good match. Really, Very good match. Really good match. If, if I rated superstar matches, that would be like four stars. Yeah, that's like a four-star match for it, sure. It's very, very good. Very good. Old school, though. Yeah. It felt like it mattered and it felt serious. So it was right. good stuff. The Hitman then gets his belt, stands in the ring. Backlund's all sad. Yep. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. But hey, guy. It he was came a, close. It was a two count, though. Sorry. Yep. You know, what are you going to do? Brett and Backlund stand off. Backlund extends his hand. Brett accepts the handshake. They have a nice hug. Brett raises Backlund's hand and then climbs the ropes, you know, to show off his belt. Right, right. Backlund's still here um, in the ring, though, and he doesn't look happy. Uh-oh. So Brett now comes over and offers a handshake again. Now, this, I think, was a folly by Brett, right? Because Backlund looked like, I just want to say this right here. From the story they were telling, Backlund looked disappointed, but he wasn't in, like, a don't rub it in mood. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, get the hell out of the ring. Yeah, like... What's he standing around for? No, but he's, like, distraught. That's why it seems plausible what that, he's, to do? <laughs> that he's still in there, right? He's, like, thinking about... He's, like, what the fuck? Like, I should have won, blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like the moment... It's, like, Brett's faceness, like, sends him over the edge. Oh, because Brett like, the means the second it. handshake. Brett means it. like, yeah. what the fuck? Are you trying to, like, insult me, man? Right, right, like, right. You know, like, that kind of thing. Fair enough, okay. And then Backlund... With a slap on Brett. Right. Crossface chicken wing. Now he loses his absolute mind as he holds Brett in the chicken wing. He's going nuts yelling. Man, those kids from 1982 must regret teaching him that move, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, and folks, that's a real thing on the 82 canon. Yeah. We, like, learn when Backlund, he's like, I got this new new move, Vince. I learned it to the kids, the yeah, amateur like, wrestlers. I taught know, it to me. You know, Vince, I went to the college, yeah. and uh, we were working on some moves, and they showed me this new one, Doesn't and then he, like, displayed it on, like, Tony Guerrilla or something. It was, yeah, it was either Tony Guerrilla or uh, Jose Estrada. Or in, in no, exhibition. Uh, Johnny on, Rods. Yeah, on, like, championship, <laughs> but it was, like, it was, like, exhibition, because he's, like, practicing it yeah. or something. Like, and it was like, really weird. And they're like, man, this shit hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, a good way to debut a move, actually. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a bunch of refs run out to break this shit up. JR cannot believe what's happening. I mean, Quinn, this is Bobby Backlund. Right. This is the mild manner Bobby Backlund. Oh, yeah. And he snapped. He's lost his shit. Finally, Backlund lets go and then stares at his hands like he has no idea what happened. It's brilliant. I always love this story here. Backlund is officially like in nuts mode and yep. he never stopped being never, nuts. Yeah, right. I mean, to this day, he goes around arenas and just yells, I'm Bob Backlund yeah. and all this shit. I remember like running into him. I was just MSG. at like some house show. MSG. Yeah, and he's just in the hallways <laughs> acting stupid, like perpetuating an angle from 1994 in like 2017 or something. Like I have credit. no idea why he still does that. I love it's it, really Quinn. weird. I love it. JR is very upset. I'm dumbfounded, King. And King's like, well, you're half right. Mm -hmm. Backlund leaves to big booze here as the officials tend to Brett. We fade to break now when we come back for our SummerSlam report. The classic SummerSlam music 
But I don't think 1994 deserves Aww. it. Sorry. It's a good show, Quinn. I know, I know. We'll but get it, to it. It doesn't feel right. I'm sorry. Anyway, the Toddster's here. <sighs> and he's also, he's like, what the hell is wrong with Bob Backlund? What happened here? At least Todd's attire is normal. Yeah, he's it's not like embarrassing. He's got, a, he's got a sport jacket on. Yeah, he, no he's tie, not, but no, you don't need it for the SummerSlam no, report. No hat. Yeah. So we get the proud Domino's logo next to SummerSlam, by the way, which, listen, people might scoff at that, but that's actually, that was a huge coup for I them know, to get Domino's. <laughs> it's the idea of that it says Domino's delivers SummerSlam is very I'll, stupid. I'll tell you what, this was a huge boon for them. So much so that 94 had the highest gross amount of SummerSlam buys since 91. Well, I mean, that, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles money right there. I'm just saying, it was, it was they were very happy yeah. about the sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now get to see a picture of their pizza and breadsticks, but it looks very 90s. Like, I, it look, it looks, can I just say this whole SummerSlam, it's amazing, especially in this episode, how it devolves into a big Domino's commercial. Yeah, like, a lot of it, I, it does. does. It <laughs> does. Absolutely does. <laughs> anyway, SummerSlam will be on August 29th at 8 p.m. from the brand new United Center in Chicago. That was my birthday, and I saw this event. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Brett versus Owen for the title in a cage. Just in case you didn't know, because <laughs> yeah. they've been talking about it all show. Yeah. And uh, we get a quick promo now from Owen and the Anvil. Basically, the point is that Owen hates Brett a real lot. Fuck him. Also, Stu used to make them wrestle in the dungeon, and Owen wound up kicking his ass, blah, blah, blah. Basically, fuck you, Brett. This will be like the dungeon. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but you'll get pizza. Don't worry. You know, when you talk about pizza... <laughs> yeah, have, he would say that. That's exactly how he would say it. I'd have to say my favorite topping is probably anchovy. Now right. I want to order Domino's for lunch. That's tempting. And we hope you do yeah. too, folks. Uh, and, <laughs> Domino's delivers OVP podcast. And after that, you can have a delicious C. Howard's Violet Candy. What? No. In the second half of this double main event, which I don't like that they're calling it that, uh, we've got The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. Might be Undertaker versus Fake Crush. I'm not sure. <laughs> fake Crush. Isn't that who it is? <laughs> yes. You know, yes. Fake Crush. Fake Crush. Todd From is... Bollywood. <laughs> no. Todd is very excited about that. Plus, of course, Diesel versus Razor for the IC. And our favorite match, Quinn. Lex Luger versus Tatanka. <laughs> oh, good, Quinn. We're going to recap it, too. Seriously? This gets a recap? <laughs> they can't just pass by? I don't I care about any of this. They casually pass by Diesel Razor. Brett. Yeah, that's more interesting. <laughs> and they're like, by the way, Lex Luger, Tatanka, let's see. Hey, remember see. the Intercontinental title? <laughs> Fuck that, Lex <laughs> Luger versus Tatanka. <laughs> Last week on Raw, Randy Savage interviewed. Those three words shouldn't be happening, yeah. but Randy Savage interviewed. Babe Ruth interviewed. <laughs> Randy Savage wasn't wrestling. He was interviewing Ted DiBiase in the ring. And DiBiase told Tatanka that just because he beat Nikolai Volkov, you couldn't do that to my Lex Luger. What? You could never, ever, in your wildest dream, or on your best day, do that to my Lex Luger. Tatanka very crappily is like, I can beat Lex Luger on his worst day. No. Also, no. that sounds really stupid. I could beat him <laughs> on his worst day. I'm on, on Tatanka's worst day. Oh. Sorry. But he, you know what? He might as well have said that. Yeah. Every he, day for Tatanka. It's sort <laughs> of his worst not good. Day. Yeah. Then Lex came out in his shitty decline windbreaker. Very decline. You know the one. I mean, the white windbreaker, folks. Shiny. It's crappy. Mm-hmm. And Luger and Tatanka have a very sleepy, unex- this feud sucks. It's so bad. They're like, but we've talked about it before. I don't want to go too no, no, deep no. into it. But Luger's like, I can beat you. It'll be a good parody. Anyway, Savage is literally the most exciting person in the ring. He's also literally the only person excited about this. Everyone's <laughs> like, what is this crap? 
Like people in the crowd are. Con- why is this happening? Like these guys are both faces, and we don't need to see them like fight. Mid card faces. Mid card faces. Yeah. Anyway, back to Todd, who is very upset, and he isn't sure if Luger sold out or not. Spoilers. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody gives a shit. By the way, what is with SummerSlam and selling out angles? 88 with Ventura mm. and DiBiase, right. 91 with Sid and, and Slaughter and all that, 92 with Perfect, 98 that, with The Undertaker and the Kane and Coots. What are we doing here? I don't, it's just, maybe it's the time of year where they come up. Like it just, It's like the cycle of how their brains work in, in the writing team. Very annoying. <laughs> anyway, Let's go back to the tried and true he sold out thing. Yeah, like, what are we doing? Anyway, Todd throws to King and JR. King is convinced, Quinn. That Ted DiBiase will be with Lex Luger. Why are we talking about this? Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Nobody cares. I... Literally. Nobody cares about this. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, we go to break. We come back where JR shows us uh, Raw recently, where Adam Bomb was wrestling Yokozuna. Quang and Harvey Whippleman then came out, and Quang tripped Adam Bomb. This was a thing, like any of this? <laughs> yes, like, it was what? a thing. Quang? Yeah, uh, Adam Bomb had... <laughs> Quang? And, and Adam Bomb? Adam Bomb... <laughs> He turned face because he got mad at Quang or something, where they honestly, got mad at him. Honestly, the most ever I think of Quang, Joe, is that he was like in that one video game Raw or whatever. Raw 32X, like, yes. But you had to have, yeah, you had to have a 32X so like seven people played <laughs> it or whatever. You <laughs> know true. what I mean? It's absolutely Until true. emulators came out, nobody ever played that That's shit. absolutely correct. <laughs> so Bomb then came out of the ring, kicked Quang's ass before tossing Harvey at him. None of this matters, and if you care, they wound up doing the SummerSlam 94 dark match. Cool. That's how much it matters. Anyway, good lord, we go down a ringside now where our special ring announcer is Brian Warren. Some kid with a bowl cut and an oversized Hitman shirt. Why is any of this happening, yeah, Joe? Yeah, you remember the gimmick, right? Where every, every week, week yeah. they have a horrible guest ring announcer. Mm. Usually a kid or like a guy, but he was all nervous, you know what I mean? I just don't understand why they didn't ask the kids, like, hey, do it for me first. And then if, if it didn't work out, they just gave him like free shit. I don't know. They probably gave him free shit anyway, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, that Hitman shirt, clearly he just got right then and there because yeah. yeah. it doesn't fit. Just saying. <laughs> Here, we got this Hitman. They just pick an X- XXL just in case they get a fat kid or you something. Know, you never know. Yeah. Uh, King's like, ever heard of a hairbrush kid? Brian Warren! Ever heard of a hairbrush kid? And then the kid unenthusiastically announces Adam Bomb. Well, I don't blame him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, everyone, Adam everyone did. Bomb. Adam Bomb. Yeah. And then, then, like, the crowd is like talking over him. <laughs> Bad. Then King's talking about the kid. He's like, when his mother had him, she got a ticket for littering. <laughs> very mean. So Bob still has his very shitty heel thing. Yeah, here. isn't he supposed to be a face? It's like the demolition heel. It's like awful. Terrible. It's like all subdued. Yeah, they hadn't uh, they hadn't changed it yet, but it, his face music is better. Anyway, Bob's opponent is Joey uh Solins. I like how the kid is confused who the jobber is. I actually laughed at the kid's announcement. And Joey Solens. Solens. So it's like who? Solens looks like he belongs in 1983. Oh man. yeah, he's a 1983 beauty right there. Joey, you know yeah. that look. Danny Davis is going to be a referee, and, and his hair is very shitty as usual. The jobber is all bold, by the way, but Adam Bomb just quickly kicks his ass. Snaps this is suplex. my kind of fucking oh, shit right here. God, quick. Yeah. Big hip toss, few punches. Meanwhile, Jr. says. King Goober Lawler. I swore he said Koopa and I had to rewind. I was like, King Koopa That would have been great. Yeah. Goober. Well, I don't even know why he was saying that. Making a reference because King brought up Barney Fife. So he's bringing up Goober, the other pile brother, this Gomer's brother. They, they knew how to make fun of each other. This, yeah. Very Remember? Good, yes. Later. 
Yep. JR then brings up the Summer Sizzler tour uh, as bomb signals for whatever. The meltdown. I don't what is it called? The Atom Smasher. It doesn't matter. It signals for this by doing the Randy Orton pose, by the way, with the with the <laughs> arms. arms. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I didn't understand. I couldn't believe he did that. It kind of is the same pose, you're Maybe right. Randy Orton like was watching video, and that's how we thought this up. I want to be like Adam Bomb. Anyway, it's a pump handle slam, whatever it is, and it gets the win. As Ryan says, Bomb won half caring. Yeah, pretty much. Adam Bomb wins. So Adam Bomb Quinn is an example of a fantastic look. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. The King hates the kid's haircut still, by the way. It's funny. We now throw to a video package where Todd hypes up Double J. And I instantly don't care why hype this. <laughs> why? This is like, why? Anytime they bring up Jarrett, like, maybe nothing matters. It's bad. Anyway, he'll be facing the kid next week, so be sure to go do something else. Next, we get a bizarre gif of TBS cackling next to, a, like, a freeze frame of the under... Uh, yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? This is so weird. I made a gif. Yes, you did. And, like, posted it, because I was like... It looks like a GIF. I've never seen that before. It's so weird. It's like it's, DBS is also in like slow mo too, oh, and there's no audio because they're talking over it. Yeah. So it's just DBS being DBS like mouthing like he I bought him he's mine or something like <laughs> like tackling. It, it's really strange looking. Really shitty. Very ominous promo for SummerSlam now. Until of course Leslie Nielsen gets involved with his Undertaker hat and the lights go out and we hear DBSy cackle. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Back to ringside where we hit the bong. DiBiase has this really shitty windbreaker, shiny thing. I hate it. Very laughy. Ugh. And he leads out the absolutely real Undertaker while holding a body bag. As you can see the vents in the wall behind them. <laughs> they didn't turn the lights down enough. I guess this is fake Undertaker. Yeah. JR references, by the way, how DiBiase brought the Undertaker to the WWF. He's acting like this is the real Undertaker, but at least they're being accurate with the canon, so they I are. can't fault them there. I mean, he was DiBiase's guy. Yeah, four years later almost. In the, yeah, at it's least, not even that long. I know. Pretty good. Undertaker's opponent here is Matt Hardy, because why not? They why? don't even show a graphic saying no, it's Matt Hardy, I I, which I found amazing. It's yeah. just they don't even say who it is. They, it, the match is so fast and nothing, they don't even have time to tell you that that's Matt Hardy. <laughs> but it is. And I'm going to give Fake Crush credit over here. He did nail the Undertaker mannerisms. Yeah, even the kids are confused. Like, he is the real Undertaker, yeah. and they're not sure to cheer or not. Yeah. They're like, well, who cares about Ted DiBiase? It's Undertaker. Right. You know? By the way, it's unbelievably smoky in this arena, which... I feel like is a hallmark of 94, 95. Those vents weren't working yeah. <laughs> enough or something. I don't know. The places they are the fans on. The places are so small that like the pyro smoke hangs. Yeah, you know, in a lot of shows too back then, they act like that's cool that they did. Sometimes they like remark, oh, there was so much pyro, it was amazing but or whatever. But like when you're in a tiny ass building, it looks bad and cheap. <laughs> it looks cheap and you can't see. It looks like the fire codes being broken it, or it something. It probably is. Anyway, Timmy White will be the referee here as we get a bell. Matt Hardy, by the way, has really short hair. He looks like Philip LaFon here. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. He looks very generic. <laughs> you mean Philip Furnace? I don't furnace mean Furnace. I don't mean Furnace. I his mean brother. His brother, Philip. Yeah. Uh, Taker with a kick to start, some rope choking, cackle, cackle. JR says that Ted DiBiase is assembling a phenomenal corporation. When did that happen? Never. <laughs> Taker faker here with a flying clothesline. Pose. I like that he does the pose after it makes him seem more fake. Yeah, because the real did Undertaker. You notice that yeah. the real Undertaker wouldn't pose like that after, after the clothesline. Right? He only does it after he wins. See, yeah, he's he, getting it wrong. He gets up and just fixes his glove. Usually, yeah, he doesn't pose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Tombstone, the usual pin, gets the win for primetime Undertaker over here. Darren now wants to remind us of the big event coming up on August 7th in New Haven. This is all they care about, which is weird. Yeah. Not the faker taker. Faker taker! That'll do it, by the way. Can we get en- enough of the live plugs? It sucks. WF sucks live during this time. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see it. 
Anyway, chains and DiBiase fuck around here, and they put Hardy in the body bag. They're still doing the body bag shit, which is very weird. Because he's a heel, I guess, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, now it's back. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Paul Bear did that shit, too, so it's not like, it's not that heelish. I know. I just want the storyline to end. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, we're, like, right at the beginning here, yeah, right? Unfortunately. Promotional consideration is paid for by Spider-Man Venom for Maximum Carnage. That game, by the way, you ever play the one is yeah, hard. Yeah, I think you've talked about it before. The but red yeah. cartridge? Yeah. Shit is fucking hard, remember man. Remember they made a big deal about renting it at Blockbuster for some yes. reason? I, I don't remember what the gimmick was. Maybe there was a special... Maybe that's where the red cartridge was because if you bought it retail, it was like black no, or something. I don't know. I, I remember it always being red. Wherever yeah, I just I remember it. thinking there was a Blockbuster-specific cartridge. Like, oh, get the... Sp- spe- maybe. Like, remember, because they did that with Terminator versus... Robocop or whatever. You remember that? That cartridge like had the weird like plastic casing. A hunk of plastic. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Was, I like, totally extra remember. Extra more plastic on it. <laughs> they spent a lot of plastic yeah. on that. Anyway, Randy Savage fucking loves sh- Slim Jims as always. And Mortal Kombat 2, a fantastic game. It's weird obviously. in that ad they yell, Mortal Kombat, but they don't say 2. So it's like, <laughs> 2? Unless you, re- it was, it should the, the com- it should have been, Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah. Like, <laughs> All shittily done. They in. only tell you it's 2 at the very end. They show very. the graphic for it. Well, you see Baraka, don't you? I yeah, saw Baraka. If you're a casual Mortal Kombat fan, and who isn't? There, there's only been one game. Yeah. You're like, oh, what is this special edition or something like right. that? It just says two at the end. I love two for the record. Two is the one of the best ones. Yeah, it is. Anyway, we got live event news again. The same thing. Stan Lane, deep voice. We're plugging the New York area shows. We already saw all of this. Like, <laughs> although I want to note that they give you separate numbers for North and South Jersey. I don't know what that's about. Like, well, why do they need that? The local Ticketmaster office. Or does it have something to do with the taxes? That's what I was thinking. I remember the, ta- the Governor Whitman got rid of later when the Undertaker helped her. She body slammed those taxes, man. Undertaker helped. Yeah, and recall. she won the title. Right. Remember Gorilla's there? He's like, I just want to thank Governor Whitman for getting rid of the taxes here. I don't... <laughs> Gorilla sounded like he was under duress when he was like talking about this. I fucking hate you. Anyway. <laughs> Why do I have to do this, Vince? I want to leave now. Yeah. Um, we recap now how Owen and Anvil beat up Razor at King of the Rings. So Brett's going to team up with Razor now. Anvil and Owen with a very quick promo, and then we get another Leslie Nielsen vignette. This time, he's in his office doing a monologue recording. This, is, this whole thing is incredible. Silly. Like, it's- he's like, uh, detective's log or whatever, right? Yeah. And then the phone rings, and it's Domino's, and he's like, yeah, okay. And he gets a knock on the door, and we hear <laughs> this. This might be the greatest part of the entire show, and I, this is, folks, I just want to say, before even Joe does the impression, because you have to do the impression, that None of this is fake. It sounds fake, but it is not. You hear the Undertaker's voice. Pizza. (laughs) Pizza. So (laughs) he comes in and delivers it. But of course, Leslie Nielsen has dropped his pen. So he's under the desk while the taker comes in and sets the pizza down. That was mildly okay. That was the the best part is pizza. 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 We should. That's a sound bite. It is a sound bite. You're right. I need to put that on the soundboard. Yeah. Anyway, back to King and JR to send us home here. Oh, and don't forget, Kid versus Jarrett next week. Yeah, make sure you don't watch, because that <laughs> sounds like shit. Anyway. Why do they do that? You know what I mean? Like, just make sure you watch Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is Diesel or Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart going to be on it? Yeah, also Lex Luger on the Heartbreak Hotel, and I actually saw that one. Wow, really? Yeah, I did. There you go. Anyway, that's all. That was okay, Quinn. I mean, I like the Backland Brett match a real lot. Mm-hmm. Pizza. 
And it's Superstar, so it's always easy to watch yeah, no matter what. it was a fun little show, even yeah. for 94 Superstars. Yeah. So thank you, Christian Ouellette, for the suggestion there. And like we said, folks, over on our Facebook group, which join it if you haven't, you can give specific episode requests, and we're going to try to get them at a reasonable pace. We're going to mm-hmm. try to go through them and do things like that. But yeah, Quinn, I had a lot of fun doing that. Not good time. bad at all. Very good, good time. Good time. And folks, we hope you had a good time here being with us as we have romped you through another week in the world of retro wrestling. We will, of course, be back next week for episode 216, The Royal Flush Returns, another episode to review. And obviously, if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Like we said, join the group. And if you want more stuff, patreon.com slash OVP podcast but until next week until next time I'm Joe Morata that's Michael Quinn we're off to get some pizza see ya detectives log one of the most mysterious superstars of the WWF is missing and they've come to me as the one man with the ability and the know-how to find him the one man they say who can track down anything to locate missing persons requires organization discipline intelligence but the most important thing of all is oh uh, yeah dominoes send it right up the most important thing of all is never going to work on an empty stomach now where did i put my pen oh boy Yes, pizza. pizza.